Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Uh, We have a Hall of Fame edition of the show. A couple of greats coming in here after 4 o'clock. The greatest running back of them all. Apologies to Mike Pinball. Mike Pringle, pardon me, but it's uh, George Reed. George Reed is in here, and he's joined by Jim Hops, and they'll be here after 4 o'clock. Lots of great guests on the show today. We'll even talk some NBA with Julian Edlow from DraftKings. Lakers are playing better without LeBron James. Oh, go figure. And did you see that loser? And he is a loser. LeBron James, <laughs> he didn't even send, he didn't even, he would rather go watch a brawny game then be around for a special night for Pau Gasol, and he didn't even send out like any message to congratulate Pau Gasol. Isn't that wild? He plays with the Lakers, but he's not really a Laker. He doesn't really care about the Lakers. Nah, Guy's no. a loser. Yeah, LeBron James is a loser, and he's nowhere in the category of Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's got the most points. If you stick around long enough, you're going to have records. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And his last. If la- you don't wear BO or uh, wear deodorant long enough, you're going to have BO. Hey, listen, I'm a Lakers fan through and through. I love the Lakers. That's my team, okay? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you right now that last championship they won. Yeah, it didn't count. Did not count. The bubble championship. It didn't. It didn't, it didn't count. count. It did not count. Glenn Suter will join us. We talk a lot of CFL, JC Abbott here. We might have. Uh, let's be honest. It's do or die now for the CFL in Halifax. We've got the second straight a touchdown Atlanta game. This time it's at St. Mary's Stadium. There's talk they're going to have a temporary pop-up, pop-up stadium. stadium that will be kind of like a temporary permanent type setup, just so, like their Canadian Premier League team, right? Had. So that they could, so that they could have CFL football. It's time to you know what we're get off the pot because we've been talking about. I saw talk of the Atlantic Schooners as far back as like the '60s in a CFL program. So. Yeah. It's time to get it done. We'll see what happens. All right. So, elsewhere in the world of sports, the best team in the NHL faces off against the best player in the NHL as McDavid takes on the Bruins in Boston. Zenger, who's more impressive this year, Connor McDavid or the Boston Bruins who have got to 100 points the fastest in NHL history? Boston Bruins, probably. Nope. We saw domination from Tampa uh, back in 2019. Yeah, they didn't get to 100. I'd always take a team achievement over an individual. Really? Because you can buy. You can totally buy a team. You just don't like McDavid. You're just trying to go against me. You pick Connor McDavid every second night, and not because you're lazy for the clutch performer for Nick Service. Nobody wants to hear us both, you know, be all up in arms about McDavid. Okay. He's blowing everybody away, man. It's crazy. Sens are at Seattle in a big game for both teams. 
teams as they push for the playoffs. Uh, with goaltender Cam Talbot out for the next three weeks with an oblique strain, the Sens will lean heavily on rookie Mad Sogren, uh, Sogard pardon me, as they attempt to make the playoffs for the first time since the 2016-2017 season. And of course, the crack and try to make it for the first time ever. Jordan Eberle joins us tomorrow on the show, as does another Regina-born player, Kale Clegg of the Sabres. I went to school with his mom. Boy, that and makes, maybe makes another Regina-born player. Oh, could be J.C. LaPone. J.C. LaPone. What a day of hockey here on the sports cage. Uh, we also, Zinger, pretty soon will have to pick our playoff draft for Keniston. They want us to pick a playoff draft. I don't know how we did in the regular season one. I'd have to check into that. Um but I will tell you this. I've been I'm a I'm a sports guy. I'm a hockey guy after I'm a football guy and I can't figure out the NHL playoffs. Like I can't figure it out. I don't know how the seedings go. Like I know the like for instance uh the Bruins will get the worst team uh, you know the worst wild card team. Then I think the second team gets the next wild card team. I don't know how it goes. It's stupid, man. Here's how it should go. Here's how it should go. It probably should go just one through eight on each side. But I think it should go one through sixteen. Now people will say because of travel and stuff, you can't do it. It gets rid of rivalries. I think it makes the NHL regular season more. Uh, important. If you went one through sixteen, like the best team in the NHL plays the absolute worst team in the NHL, East or West, and did that all the way through, you'd have a better representation on who your Stanley Cup champion would be. Then maybe the Leafs don't get knocked out in the first round, and they're probably the best Canadian team on paper. Maybe they have an opportunity to go farther in the playoffs. That's how I feel. How do you feel at nine three six sixty two sixty two? I think one. They used to when I first started watching NHL hockey and love in the Edmonton Oilers. They played the Montreal Canadiens in round one in a best of, uh, I think it was a best of, was it three or five? I forget, but it was that format. One versus 16. I think the Oilers were like uh, 14 and the Habs were like three. It was like, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was, it was everybody was shocked because the Oilers knocked off the Montreal Canadiens. Who are these guys? That's what we need. We need to have Anything that Anything would be better than what they got now. Even one, one through eight. Like, like I can't make it, to. I can't make it, make it easy for the fans too, especially in the States. They have a tough enough time following the puck. And I'm a hockey guy and I can't figure this out. Anyway, uh, Briar, uh, our buddy uh, Kelly Knapp, who's joined the uh, show, skipping for the first time at the Briar, representing Team Saskatchewan. He won his morning game, and right now in the eighth end, last I saw, beating wild card team uh, number two. two. Actually, they're tied at three now in the eighth end. Um, and so he is uh, three and four, hoping to end the tourney at uh, four and four. How about Matt Dunstone, who was, when he was in Saskatchewan, couldn't get over the hump, but with Manitoba right now, he is seven and zero, oh, and right now headed to the eighth end or wrapping up the seventh, eight one over Northern Ontario. They're no slouches. Eight, no. They're no slouches. They're six and one. So uh, we'll keep you updated on the Briar World Baseball Classic MLB. I don't the MLB news. The Jays or pardon me, the uh, Team Canada doesn't start till Sunday against Great Britain. Blue Jays manager John Schneider, not Bo Duke, but John Schneider, the manager. Bo Duke was uh, that was his real name. Bo. 
Duke was his character name on the Dukes of Hazard. But anyway, you don't even know what I'm talking about. No. John Schneider says first baseman Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is feeling a bit better, and he should be back in the batting cage as soon as this week. And Guerrero pulled out of the WBC because of inflammation in his knee. Like one week into the spring training and the guy's on the shelf? Come yeah. on, man. Yeah, for sure. Adam Thielen's time with the Vikings could be over. Adam Schefter reporting there's a real possibility the team could part ways with their uh, stud receiver. He was their two-time Pro Bowl receiver. He's a stud receiver before Jefferson got on the scene, Justin Jefferson, and uh, he's going to become a free agent. He's a good player. I'd welcome him to Titletown, USA. Yeah. Um, it feels like the Cats too far out of the bag for this Aaron Rodgers thing. There's a lot of excitement for the Jets, and I don't see a way the Jets don't pony up and try to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the only thing that stops us is if Green Bay says, we still want you, do you want to come back? And he says he wants to come back. Because What's their fallback? Jimmy G? Come Jimmy on. G. What's their fault? Maybe Rodgers just wants to retire. That's what I'm hoping for. I no, just no. want him to sail into the sunset, sip on a couple <laughs> pina coladas. You know? who, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get to a uh, pick six. You can weigh in at 936-6262. We want to hear from you today. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We'll give you a shout-out. Make you famous at 936-6262. What do you like about the show? What don't you like about the show? How you feeling about your riders? Uh, do you have thoughts on George Reed? as a player and Jim Hobson known more as a guy who is uh, leading this team through probably the greatest era in Rough Rider history you know uh, you, yeah, could, yeah. you could make a claim that yeah. it was when George Reed was playing, but Jim Hobson was the guy that was leading this team. They'll join us in the studio. What do you think of them? Do you got any questions for them? We'd love to get them. 936-6262. This is the Sports Cage on your voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio. 620 CKRM. It's going to be a touchdown for Chapman Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Ballsy and Friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. As you know, we're going to have the CFL draft in its entirety here on 620 CKRM, the only radio station in the country to do this because we are the flagship station of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and really the most prominent voice for CFL football on the radio airwaves right here, 620 CKRM. John Hodge, who's a regular contributor on the Sports Cage, came out with his mock draft 1.0 as the draft goes down officially May the 2nd, and he has the Rough Riders taking defensive lineman Lawal Aguak from TCU. The six foot five, two hundred and seventy one pound defender didn't play much for the Horn Flogs following a transfer from the University of Connecticut, but has all the tools to become an impact CFL player. Aguak brings impressive length and quickness to compete along the interior or coming off the edge. 
So Hodge has a guac going at number three to the Rough Riders. Number two in the pick six, he's got the Riders taking offensive lineman Eduardo Paradis from Houston Christian. The native of Quebec was a two-year starter at guard with the Huskies in the Southland Conference of the FCS. The six-foot-four, 320-pound blocker started his collegiate career at New Mexico Military Institute and, as Hodge reports, named an all-Southwest Junior College Football Conference honorable mention. Number three on the pick six, John Hodge has the Ottawa Red Blacks at number 12 taking U of R Rams defensive lineman Anthony Bennett. He's a six foot three, 230 pound edge rusher and was named a first team U Sports All Canadian this past season. What a season he had. 38 total tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, nine sacks, and one interception to go along with one fumble recovery. Uh, this guy's going to contribute right away on special teams and maybe rotating in on defensive end alongside other fellow national players. Number four of the pick six, staying with the Regina Rams theme, John Hodge in his first mock draft has the Rough Riders taking linebacker Josh White, who's been on the show before. The six foot, 219 pound defender was overshadowed at times this past season by Rams teammate Ryder Varga, a BC Lions prospect. White was solid in his own right, though. He made 29 and a half total tackles, five of them for loss, and two sacks. Really good at the point of attack. And the Riders, of course, will need some depth in the linebacking core behind Micah Tights, who's coming off a groin injury. Number five on the pick six. According to John Hodge, he has the Stampeders in his first mock draft, taking offensive lineman Dayton Black from the U of S at number 22. The native of Brandon, Manitoba, was a Can West All-Star this last year after taking over the left tackle spot from BC Lions draft pick Noah Zerb. Black's a former high school quarterback, but uh, he's a little big for that now at six foot six, two 295 pounds, as he uses that big frame and hands not to throw the football anymore, but protect the quarterback. And finally on the pick six, John Hodge has Jackson Ford, the grandson of former rider great Al Ford, going to the Toronto Argonauts. Jackson played a kind of a Swiss Army knife role for the Rams last year. Half halfback, half safety, was in the box at times. He was named a Can West All-Star and second team U Sports All-Canadian. He's fast, he's physical, he's got a great upside with a high football IQ and would add some depth behind starting safety Royce Mechie. And the Argos, if you remember, have had some good success taking a Regina defensive back as Josh Haggerty a couple of seasons ago was a long shot to make the team. He did and ended up being a Grey Cup champion this past November in the Queen City in Grey Cup 109 in that upset win over Winnipeg. That's your pick six. Thanks to John Hodge for doing a great job at Three Down Nation covering the league. He will be part of our draft coverage on May the 2nd here as we cover the draft from pillar to post. First time a radio station has covered the CFL draft in audio form from start to finish. Make sure you join us on May the 2nd. Hearing your voice of Rough Riders football, 620 CKRM. Yeah, so... uh Pick six, John Hodge doing a great job. Maybe get him on tomorrow to talk about that. He's going to join us in our draft coverage, which goes down on May the 2nd. See a couple of uh, Regina Rams highly touted there. Uh, Anthony Bennett should be a no-brainer. He had a great... uh, Record-breaking. Record-breaking. He was all over the field, like I said there. Jackson Ford comes by it honestly with his grandfather, Alan Ford, a rider great. And so uh, he, he wants to get into sports business. He'd like to follow his grandpa, 
down that uh, path and, and maybe be on the business side one day. Jackson Ford, the next GM of the Saskatchewan. Who knows? You never know. But first, he's got business to take care of on the field. And the Argos, like I said, could do worse. I mean, they had Haggerty a couple of years ago. They didn't know what to expect from him. And uh, Swaggerty uh, turned out to be a pretty good player for them. Didn't dress in the Grey Cup, but did win a Grey Cup uh, on home turf here in Regina. And, of course, uh, Josh White, who we had on. Um, that's going to be great. And then we had... Um, we're going to have a couple of uh, U.S. Huskies on here as we go along. So some great uh, players to be featured. All right. I want to give a couple of shout-outs here. Happy birthday. I, me- I missed this yesterday. He listens to the show all the time. Jason Fichter. He runs the Rider Prider fan page. We were going to wish him happy birthday yesterday. And then I got sidetracked I by I thought a- of it, too, to yeah, be I got, Yeah, but I got sidetracked by technical difficulties. So, Jason, happy birthday. Uh, you know, he loves the Rough Riders, as many do. Like this lady, she listens all the time. She used to be an operator here on CKRM when we were 980 back in the day. Tammy Bissett, she listens from her office in Calgary. So, uh, she's an office worker now, listens all her the time. Her birthday, too? Her birthday today. So, happy birthday, Tammy. Happy today. birthday, Tammy. Yeah, happy birthday, Tammy. Thanks for listening. Dale sends in a text at 936-6262. Since you've got George and Jim Hobson in studio, greatest riders of all time. Oh, you know, that's a question that's uh, not... I don't. I feel like that question's not really asked much because really it's... It's I, Georgie and Ronnie. I got really, it. I got, right? I got it. I got it. Here's my top five. Okay. Number five, Ray Elgard. Yeah, okay. Redefined the slot back position. He was really the guy that got that running start going. You know, that people... He wasn't... He made it famous. In fact, the Ray Elgard rule was you're offside by a yard. It's okay or half a yard, right? And a big bull in a china shop. When he retired, he was the best receiver in the CFL, stats-wise. Now, the... Three and four, he could do a coin flip. No disrespect. I love both these guys. I'll put... Mr. Mack Truck, Roger Aldag. Undersized, but dependable, tough as nails, offensive lineman at number four. At number three, guy who's a little bit bigger, also dependable, also a great cup champion, Gene Makowski. I got mm. Gino at three. From the University of Saskatchewan, number 60, yeah. Gene Makowski. And then, of course, Aldag was one of those great junior Ram players, So, uh, which we love our junior football players. Then... The world was robbed too soon of Ron Lancaster. Ronnie Lancaster was number two. Now, once again, when you got two statues outside the stadium, you could do a coin flip. But I'm going with Ron. But I do think, and I've said this before, Sanger, Ron is right up there with Pinball Clemens as the most influential guy in CFL history. Pinball, but Ron Lancaster as a coach. As a player, first off, as a coach, coach and GM, broadcaster, just the face of the, the guy was He did everything he in did the everything. Canadian football league. He did everything. He how, did, how many guys can you say that like across yeah, the board? Yeah, you know, no, no disrespect to Mike Hogan, who pointed out during Grey Cup week, you got to give a plug-in for pinball, but Ronnie did everything, so Ronnie is the guy. Uh, and then the number one rider of all time is going to be sitting in our control room, George Reed. I still can't believe like that's going to be happening. I love George Reed. That's, I love George He's going to be sitting Right there. Yeah. I love George Reed. Anyway, when we come back, plenty more of the sports cage to get to, including our uh, health and lifestyle segment with Tish Duffy, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network, and we'll go back to the Pats game last night with their young defenseman, Corbin Vaughn. This is the sports cage on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781 
2090. Tim Hortons, Briar, Kelly, Knapp, Saskatchewan ring, trying to wrap things up on a good note. They beat Northwest Territory 6-5 to in the morning draw, and right now in the afternoon draw, Saskatchewan has a 4-3 to lead on Team Wildcard number 2 in the 8th end. It's time to pump you up. Get the latest in fitness and lifestyle tips with one of Canada's top fitness trainers, Tish Duffy. This is Train with Tish on the Sports Cage. All right, Tish, I follow you on all the social media channels, uh, so it's Train with Tish if you want to follow her. We kind of wet people's appetite here, but they can have a deeper dive with a lot of your great posts. Let's talk about five things we can do in our 20s and 30s so we can enjoy life after 40. Okay, this is a great topic. Um, my first recommendation is to never stop resistance training or strength training in your 20s and 30s. Uh, a lot of my clients get frustrated with the lack of results, but it's because their habits aren't aligning with the efforts that they're spending in the gym. So if they keep up with their efforts in the gym, because in your 20s and 30s, that's when you're going to put on the, the most muscle the easiest. So if you keep doing all of your hard work in your 20s and 30s, when life calms down in your 40s and 50s and your habits just organically and naturally improve, you'll see all that hard work and dedication that you put in all those years prior. Um, the second tip would be avoid drastic weight loss uh, changes like fix, uh, like quick fixes and, and diets that are going to get you dramatic results quickly. The body doesn't really respond well to that long term. So you want to make sure that if you're losing weight, you do it gradually and safely so you're not wrecking your metabolism uh, because as you get older, your body will get a little less um, forgiving for those types of weird behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, number three would be always prioritize lifting over cardio. So cardio is great for conditioning your heart and lungs. Um, weightlifting is going to be the thing that changes the shape of your body and your overall level of fitness. So always prioritize uh, your strength. Now, of course, cardio is something that you have to include. Um, I, re- I recommend getting steps in and getting hypoxic a couple days a week, but really want to focus um, your journey on the strength component. Number four, I would suggest you always surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, it's really hard to stay healthy and stay in that mindset if you're uh, surrounding yourself with a bunch of people who are trying to sabotage that. So I always say, if your friends are criticizing your efforts, then you need new friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last thing, obviously, would be to hire a professional before you really begin your strength training journey. There's a lot of things that are important to learn, like form and just general um, strength training principles. You want to know what progressive overload is. It's not overwhelming, but it is important to know that you know what you're doing when you first start. So this, those would be my first, my top five. These these are great suggestions from our professional Tish Duffy. Go check her out. Train with Tish and all the social media channels. Thanks for your time. My pleasure, Michael. Have a great day. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. This guy's become a regular contributor, and we're happy about that. Mike Kelly from the NHL Network, a great follow at Mike Kelly NHL. Uh, the Jets have won two times in their last 11 games. Last night, though, I don't think it was for a lack of effort or, you know, they had a letdown. They outplayed Minnesota, but a guy by the name of Mark andre Fleury did them in. <laughs> yeah, the Jets had a great game. Uh, Rick Bonus talked about it after. He said it was one of their better games of the season. 
and you know process was great and play like that every night we like our chance all that stuff right and I know fans you know it's not really what they want to hear they want their team to win but yeah they they did they you know it wasn't just the, the number of shots they had and they outshot them heavily but the quality as well 15 from the inner slot which is the most Winnipeg's had in a game all year the most Minnesota's given up in a game all year and Minnesota's been one of the best defensive teams in the league recently so uh, it was an incredible effort the only thing that bit them was goaltending at both ends. Uh, Fleury stood on his head. Hellebuck, first goal, third goal, not great ones. And, um, you know, he's stolen games for that team for so many years. Five straight games now. He's had a save percentage under 900. Only the second time in his career he's had a stretch like that. So um, it wasn't a game he had to steal. He just had to be good enough. And rarely um, he wasn't. But uh, he'll need to be going down the stretch for Winnipeg to try to move up in the playoffs. I, I, you know, Calgary's kind of creeping in now, so it's not even a lock, but uh, you know, top three in the Central's still within the reach, too. So Ottawa plays Seattle tonight. Two very intriguing teams for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm surprised by both teams this year a bit. Yeah, probably Seattle the most, I would think. Um, you know, one of the top-scoring five-on-five teams in the league, and they found their offense against uh, again recently after a bit of a dip, and, and they're winning again, so... You know, I, I'm always curious with goaltending there if that can hold up for them. But uh, they're they're just a deep team. You know, they don't really have superstar player. Uh, Matty Beniers is their best player. He's missed time with injuries as well, and um, and he's you know a great player, not a superstar. They just have depth, and, and you know, Jared McCann's on a heater for Ottawa. Uh, the Chicago game. I know some people are pointing. Well, maybe that's the game, and now they won't make the playoffs. And you know, as great as their run has been lately. They've never been above 25% in the odds that I use to, to make the playoffs. So it's probably not going to happen regardless. And they have got an absolute gauntlet of a schedule coming up. Um, you know, Seattle is not easy, but starting next week, it's, you know, Edmonton, Colorado, Toronto, Jersey, Florida, Pittsburgh, Boston, all these teams in a row. Um, so nice run. I think meaningful games in March is all you could ask for if you're Ottawa. And that's what they've got. I kind of put Ottawa on the same kind of uh, bracket as Buffalo in terms of talent and upside. Which team do you think has a bigger upside, Buffalo or Ottawa? Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. Um, both teams can score a ton. Both teams are fast. Both teams struggle to, to defend. Um, <laughs> and this is kind of where why they are where they are right now. But they're young, and they're up and coming. And they've taken great steps this season. So that's a, that's a win. And I know anytime you get, you know, sniffing around playoffs, the fan base gets excited. If you don't make it all, it's disappointment. But, you know, these teams were so far out of it last year. This is a win for both of them. Um, I think Buffalo is a little closer. And uh, I expect in the next, you know, fast forward two, three years, these are these are playoff teams. They should be playoff teams. Uh, it's trending in the right direction for them. So that's. It should be a, a win for both sides. Mike Kelly, we don't like to compare errors. It's very hard. But you uh, put out on your Twitter feed at Mike Kelly NHL, uh, March 6th, I think. Three defensemen have scored more even strength points in a season than Eric Carlson. Uh, Coffey, Orr, and Robinson. I would suggest that Coffey, Orr, and Robinson played with a lot better cast than Eric Carlson has in San Jose. Wow. <laughs> what a season that guy's having. Yeah, Robinson had Shutt and Lafleur and Mahov. Let's go down the list. Or had Cashman and Esposito and um, it's Rick Coffee. We know who he had in the eighties. Um, 
it's insane what Eric Carlson's doing. And the thing that frustrates me, so he's on pace now to finish right around third in terms of the most even strength points by a defenseman ever. Um, he's already top 10 and he's got, you know, whatever, 17, 18 games left to go. Um, let's see, he leads his team in scoring by a ton. I think Bobby Orr is the only guy that's got a bigger gap in terms of the end of the season. And, uh, and he's doing it on a team that's no good. And the crazy thing is I hear two arguments with Carlson all the time as to why he probably might, you know, shouldn't win the Norris trophy. And both of them, I mean, one of them is just wrong. And the other one actually, in my view, supports it. So the one that's wrong is that, well, you have to be able to defend it. He's an offensive defenseman. Just go look at what San Jose's produced in terms of goals for and against when he's on the ice at five on five and when he's not. It's positive when he is on a terrible team, which is remarkable. Mm -hmm. And it's way in the negatives when he's not. So that argument goes out the window. You want to make a case for Josh Morrissey? That's great. Carlson's been better defensively this year. So then the other argument is, well, can you win the Norris on a non-playoff team? Well, what if Dahlien gets in and Morrissey gets in, then they should get it. Preposterous. This guy's doing it on a worse team with worse players. Timo Meyer's gone. He's still putting up points. Like, it, it, to me, is such a slam-dunk no-brainer. Um, although I thought the same thing in 2016 when, you know, according to somebody who voted on the award, it was Drew Doughty's time to win it because now it's a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, if he doesn't win it, It'll be criminal, in my view. Yeah, and that that whole Norris on a losing team is the same argument I always use in a different way when people say, "Well, you got to win a championship to be a Hall of Famer." Really, really, you're gonna you're gonna tell me that Dan Marino's a worse quarterback than Trent Dilfer? If we want to use an NFL analogy, yeah, uh, that's a fair point, and it's hockey too, right? It's, it's the biggest team sport there is. Like the quarterback is very important. Now I'm not taking away from Dan Marino. You make a great point, but if you want to talk championships as a quarterback, that's so different than it is in hockey. It, just because of the, the value of the position and, and the outcome of the game. Hockey is the most team sport. There is the best players on the planet. Um, play less than half the game. It's true. So point. yeah, it, it's, you know, well, here's what's a, a here, nice thing here. to have, and, and the great players that win a lot of championships, yeah. you know, that's great too. If, if you're maybe trying to split hairs between two great players and one has won a bunch of championships and the other one hasn't, and otherwise they're pretty much the exact same, yeah, that's, you know, so be it. But you know, to, go, to go back to Carlson, like I said, like it's an individual award, and uh, you can be, if you put Connor McDavid on the Arizona Coyotes next year and he scored 160 points, should he not win the Hart Trophy? Well, I thought he should have won it last year, even though uh, Matthews had 60 goals. I mean, it was the same thing. It was McDavid fatigue, and I'm like, if he's the best, he's the best. So that leads me to our last talking point for this segment. What's more impressive, Mike Kelly, what the Boston Bruins are doing or what Connor McDavid is doing? That's the matchup tonight, the best player on the planet against the best hockey team on the planet. Well, if I say one... Uh, I'm already wrong because the other one is just as good, right? Uh, I'll say Boston. Um, okay. You know, it's a team sport, and and what they overcame at the start of the season with some injuries that they had. I mean, this team doesn't lose, and they don't have a weakness. Uh, it's crazy. So, you know, one of the best offenses in the league. They're incredible defensively. They go out and get Orlov at the same time. The goaltender is going to win the Vesna Trophy. Um, it, it's it's insane. So they they might finish with the best regular season record ever. And Connor McDavid is going to do things that haven't been done since the mid-90s. And, 
Um, and that's incredible as well. Um, but Boston could be the best ever. So yeah, my I, only, I had to lean one way, I'd go yeah, that way. Yeah, I and mean, you're not wrong. My counterpoint would be we saw domination like this, I think, 2019 with the Lightning. Maybe not at the at the swiftness, you know, fastest team to 100 points. We've seen that. What McDavid's doing, we haven't seen for a long time, like you said, and even longer when you take the take into account how much separation there is between like he and his uh, teammate Dreisaitl in, in scoring in the standings. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and it, that's why, again, you, you can't have a right answer because the other one's wrong already. Like, they're both, yeah, they're no. both so incredible. Um, yeah, and even if you take Leon out of the equation because they connect on points often. Right, right. Uh, right. What Kucherov, I think, has 88 points, mm-hmm. and McDavid's got 124. That's the gap. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's insane what he's doing. Like, I, I think a, a good debate and a fair argument is that Connor McDavid is the, the most dominant team sport player on the planet in any sport. Um, I think I it don't is. don't see anyone who's doing no, what he's doing. I agree. I think he is, the, he is the best. I think he's the best athlete in his sport. People can make a claim for John Jones in UFC, but he was away. Like, this guy is absolutely dominating, like you said, in his team sport. There's nobody. It looks like he's playing against peewee guys some nights. Well, I know. That's the thing. Like, you know, it's like the, the old line. I forget who said it, but... Uh, you know, the only reason he's in the NHL is because there isn't a better league. Um, a <laughs> true point. It's, it's, it's wild what he's doing. And, um, you see some athletes, right. And they're, you know, six, five, two fifty, Jack, huge, all this stuff. And they, I've stood beside some of those guys in other sports and you're just like, yep, that's why they're doing what they're doing. Like I've stood beside Connor McDavid. He looks like me, um, in slightly better shape, obviously, but mm-hmm. you're just like, this guy's so naturally talented and he's just got such a God-given gift um, to do things that, like, nobody's ever done. Nobody's ever skated at the speed he has and processed the game the way he has at the same time. Like, that's, that's never happened. People have skated faster. People have processed the game maybe as good, maybe better. Never both. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, that's what I always say too. Especially here locally, people are uh, people are making the comparisons between Bedard and McDavid, which I think is unfair to Bedard a little bit, but uh, to their junior stats. And I'm like, well, let's not let's hold the phone here till he gets till it's an apples and apples debate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see Bedard in the NHL. Like, you know, you you never know, right? But yeah. uh, and some players have been hyped and come in and struggled for a year or two and then popped off. I mean. Nathan McKinnon didn't pop off for a few years, and, and Jack Hughes didn't put up big points his first year. And there's all, all sorts of examples. Joe Thornton, go back. Um, I have a hard time thinking Connor Bedard's not coming in and getting like, you know, 30 and 40 for 70 or something like that. No, I agree. His shot's probably top 10th percentile in the league right now in the world. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, he's, and he, that's the other thing, too. I think people focus on a shot a lot, and they should. He's. He's as good of a playmaker. Like this guy's going to be dual threat, uh, amazing player. Yeah, he is an amazing player. We're fortunate to see him every night. We're fortunate to have you mm-hmm. too, Mike. Thanks. I appreciate your time. Yeah, I always enjoy it. Thank you. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
And welcome back to the Rock, Paper, Scissors International Championship. That's right, Bob, and what an event. The Goodyear Blimp, the Navy Parachute Team, the Janet Jackson Halftime Show. Who could ask for more? And they say a lot of people tune in nowadays just to watch the commercials. <laughs> you know, the Vegas odds makers are picking Carl Crazy Hands McCluskey to win this one using his famous West Coast Scissors strategy. Possibly, Bob. But let's take a look at Tyrone Trick Thumb Taylor here. Well, he's a first-round draft pick out of Texas A&M. Five-foot-one, 110 pounds, 115 when it's raining. Still nursing that ring finger injury from last season. And that's exactly my point, Bob. With an injury like that, it makes it difficult to execute rock. We talked about that all season. I look for crazy hands to come out using that paper game in his first series of downs. We'll find out just as soon as the Dixie Chicks finish the national anthem. Who'll have first possession in the Rock, Paper, Scissors International World Championship? The traditional flip-off is next. So, Zinger, there's a method to my madness running that intro because tomorrow I will not be here for the first hour of the show. I am, uh, I think, emceeing slash taking part in the annual Rock, Paper, Scissors event over at St. Bernadette School where my kids went, and they invited me out to uh, call the action and maybe be a part of it. They've heard how great I am at Rock, Paper, Scissors on the radio. I've, I'm undefeated. I crush every listener that calls in. I end up beating them all the time. Like, I am, I've played this game numerous times. I don't even know my record. Like, it's like 80 to nothing. Like, I'm unbelievable, okay? So, uh, they got me coming out. They got, like, a belt and everything. So, I might come back with some hardware tomorrow, okay? So, you're going to hold the... We'll have some tape stuff, and you'll hold the fort down until I get back here around 4 o'clock, okay? Sounds good, man. Okay, so with that in mind, uh, do a little... Tr- Little yeah, training you th- you here. You think you're you think you're the best at yeah. this, huh? Little training, little training. So let's uh, let's just get ready here. You think you you think you're better than everyone yeah, at this, huh? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm yeah. standing up right now. Me too. I'm standing. You're a little taller got, than me. I got hands. Yeah. You see these? I see those hands. These, these are, are big. big. These are put big your hand bits. up against mine. Yeah. They're, let's see. Oh, yours are bigger. Quarterback hands. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Big hands, big feet. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Okay. We're we're gonna uh, I'm gonna see if I can keep my streak All right. intact before I go to Saint Bernadette tomorrow. This is rock paper scissors. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, rock! You... I rock! I crushed your scissors! I crushed your measly. Let's do it again. All Let's right. do it again. See if okay. So I'm 81 and already one, one two, two, three. three. Oh, oh rock again! You can't. You do. You did scissors again. Okay, I'll give you one more chance. I'll give you one more chance. I'll give you one more chance. Okay, ready? One, one two, three. three. Oh, it was a tie. It was a tie. Paper, paper, paper. Okay, here we go. Here we go. My heart's racing. One, one two, two, three. Yeah! You went scissors again, I went rock again. Yeah! I am 83 and oh, look out, kids. I'm coming in hot tomorrow at St. Bernadette. You see how good I am at this singer? Yeah, this there's something in the water. I'm here. amazing at this. What's going on, dude? Absolutely amazing at this. Hey, last night I texted you. I didn't even listen to the game. I was like, God, Pats are gonna smoke them. I was like, remember we predicted five goals for Bedard. Five goals. The only bright spot last night for the Pats was Bedard getting his 60th. 60 and 49, fifth fastest in Pats history. But you texted me and you go. 
Ballsy, they stubbed their toe. They lost to the lowly Edmonton Oil Kings 3-2. to two. You probably wanted to stab your eye out with a pen listening to that game. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. bad. It they was... played down to their level. Like that, That's yeah. not what we're about here in the Queen well, City. You Come can on, fl- Queen City boys. They're still in sixth place. They're going to flush that one away. They're on the bus right now. Bedard was supposed to join us, but he'll join us next week. He's got to focus on the two games, uh, Lethbridge and then Medicine Hat. So with that in mind, let's go back to the post-game show. Like Dante DeCaria, and uh, he had a nice chat with uh, Corbin Vaughn. Uh, we had a good start there, working hard, kind of getting pucks in the net, and kind of, kind of just let us sink down to their level. Kind of, kind of just hoping to have a short-term memory at the end of this one here. Yeah, and how important is it to have a short-term memory and just kind of erase this tape, erase this from your from your young minds, and focus on the upcoming road trip, which is crucial. Uh, yeah, just. Just kind of forgetting about this game and the next couple games we have are huge. So focusing on this push coming up uh, is very important. Uh, we talk about forgetting this game. So if you look at some of the games of the past, you guys have beaten obviously Winnipeg and some of the other top teams in the Western Hockey League. Just talk about the confidence that the group has had, uh, especially since getting you know a full forward lineup after being short because of injuries all season long and uh, what that's done for the group. Maybe not specifically tonight, but as of late. Uh, yeah, lately, kind of just been playing as a team, uh, buying in and trusting the process there. So uh, just keep it up moving forward and win those games. Yeah, Corbin, I know you're not a veteran, but uh, to me, you're somebody just from being around you over the course of the season that um, is is become much more mature as the season's gone on. I've been very impressed with you and your brother's maturity over the course of the year. Who are some of the people on this Regina Pats team, some of the players that have helped guide you through your first season in the Western Hockey League, and your brother as well? Yeah, my brother, obviously, and then uh, my big brothers there, Luke Bateman, Tanner Brown, Riley Janelle. Yep. Uh, school guys are uh, school guys all Shantz, Beds, Howie, Mike, Herman, uh, Piner. They're the younger guys, you know, kind of learning as we go through the season. Uh, just kind of listening to everybody. Don't be in a don't be in a clique or a group. Just get around, talk to everyone, uh, build some bonds. I, I know you got into a couple of games last year, but this being your first full season, Corbin, uh, have expectations been met of what it would be like to play full time in the Western Hockey League? And uh, just talk a little bit about the grind of the season, because we know obviously the three junior leagues it's got the tri- toughest travel schedule and stuff like that. So, have expectations been met uh, as a full time Western Hockey League player? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough league, you know, playing against bigger, stronger boys every night than I'm used to. Uh, traveling, eating, take care of your bodies. Uh, whole new thing for me so kind of just getting used to it as we go on here and uh learning from guys Regina pats falling 3-2 to the edmonton oil kings yes they fall 3-2 they're back in action tomorrow night we'll have that game i believe it's a 7 35 pregame show eight o'clock face off if i'm not mistaken in lethbridge because they're an hour back of us and then uh the um Medicine Hat Tigers, but that'll be changing soon because uh, Daylight Savings Time uh, flips over March the 12th, so for us sporting fans, all our games come on earlier. Am I right or am I wrong? No, I think you're right. Yes. It's a 7pm Mountain Standard yeah, Time. Yeah, so 7.35 pregame show, 8 o'clock face-off there in Lethbridge, and they're a tough team, and then Medicine Hat still in the playoff mix as well. Yeah, 8pm puck drop our time. After 4 o'clock, we're expecting two legends to be in here. George Reed, Jim Hobson. Get your texts ready. 936-6262, our text line powered by Capital GMC. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. Brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions. Uh, welcome to the show, Rash Madani, as he comes to us live from the World Baseball Classic in Arizona. Uh, so, uh, they're in an interesting pool with Great Britain, Colombia, Mexico, and USA. Yep. What are our country's chances, Rash? Well, I think if we're being realistic, Ballsy, I think if Canada can sneak the win past Great Britain and Columbia, which is definitely possible. A two and two mark may get them through into the next round. Um, what they're doing, Ernie Witt kind of learned his lesson from a few years ago. They're going to start Cal Quantrill, you know, one of the top end uh, members of the Cleveland Guardians rotation. Cal's going to get the ball for Great Britain on Sunday. You have to think Monday's a, I don't want to say a giveaway. I don't have to say, you know, to beat the U.S feels impossible. Freddie Freeman said it would be the miracle on dirt if they get it done. Um, But um, I think there's a chance, but I think all the stars have to align for that chance to happen. You're about to have a sit-down interview. Well, you did have the sit-down interview, but it's about to go on with Tim and friends. Uh, Tell me about that. It's an amazing story of Freddie Freeman. Well, it is really an amazing story. Like Here you have the NL MVP, right? Mm-hmm. 2020 with Atlanta. The next year they win the World Series. And Freddie, born and raised in California, will represent Canada at the World Baseball Classic. You're saying, like, what, what's the deal? Well, mm-hmm. Freeman's parents were born and raised in Ontario. And Fred's mom, Rosemary, died when Freddie was only 10. She died of cancer. And. Rosemary Freeman was fiercely proud to be Canadian, so to pay tribute to Rosemary, Freddie continues to play for Team Canada. Now, a few things. One, he also honors her memory. She died of melanoma, skin cancer, so he wears long sleeves all the time. Mm -hmm. He has a chain around his neck with a cross. Inside it it are some of his late mother's hair. So Freddie's like, yeah, I won the World Series. Mom was with me the entire time. And he says, as a parent now, he's not only teaching some of the same lessons that mom did, but it's made him a better parent because he's saying, okay, I get home from the ball field, I may be tired, whatever. He's like, I was only 10 when mom went away. I'm spending more time with my kids and really valuing a lot of time. So that that's that side of it on the baseball side, Ballsy. He's like, look, we went winless the last time the WBC. And Freddie's in the locker room with a lot of these guys. On the pro side, he's like, I really, really, really want to beat Team USA. Mm-hmm. So the fact that one of the best players in all of baseball is representing Canada, and for the reasons he's doing so, 
is pretty cool. Sports is all about storylines. Arash is one of the best at pulling those stories out, so you can check that out on Sportsnet. So, the Raptors are battling for a playoff spot, and Fred Van Vliet uh, went off yesterday after their 108-100 loss to the L.A. Clippers, attacking one of the officials with a verbal barrage. I'll tell you what, man, uh, I think the NFL, uh, you know, you know, for what they spend on officiating and all the high tech stuff, I think they have the worst officials. But then after that, I don't know. You know, is the NBA trying to be worse than the NHL? Like officiating in sports, I we have to respect officials, uh, the human element, all that type of thing. But man, it's it's pretty bad. What did Fred say last night, Balzi? Like, let's let's examine these quotes. He opened by saying, "Quote: I thought Ben Taylor." was bleeping terrible tonight. So right away, mm-hmm. right away there's a fine, right? Mm-hmm. Named the official, Ben Taylor, five of Fred's eight texts this season, by the way, are courtesy of number 46, Ben Taylor. Mm-hmm. He said, I get a BS text that changes the whole dynamic of the game, the flow of the game. He said, look, I like a lot of the reps. They're trying hard. They communicate well. He said some of them also just come out and want to be bleep and just bleep up the game. And he said, look, some of our officials in the league, it's getting out of hand. And he said it's bleeping ridiculous. He said, I'll take my fine for speaking on it. And I thought what was so interesting today as the news cycle did its thing, Balti, so many players are saying, hey, Fred said it for all of us. Fred took the bullet for all of us. It's one thing if you miss calls, Balti. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're all human. It's another when you come out with an agenda and a vendetta and all those kinds of things, and that's what Fred Van Vliet's pointing to. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Now, I wonder, suspension? Fines are one thing. Suspension? And I think this, I've said this for a long time, I think officials should be made to sit at a podium or in front of reporters to answer the questions as to why they made the call they did. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if coaches have to answer for why they made a mistake in going for it or not going for it or not getting the play call in time and all of those kinds of things, why why shouldn't officials? You know, I guess they're made available to a pool reporter whenever there's a controversial call, but is that really enough? No. Uh, I think I think Van Vliet gets a sizable fine. Um, so much of this has to do with the collective bargaining agreement. I can't see them really extending out to a suspension. But if he comes out and does it again and again, you know, a second or a third time, um, maybe that's the case. But I think Fred has wanted to say a lot for a long time. Mm-hmm. Hey, at first... You took the bullet for a lot of guys yesterday. Yeah, he did. Arash Madani joining us here uh, on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Coast to coast for our friends at Smart Investing Solutions and Brian Golly. The Lamar Jackson situation isn't getting fur- any further resolved. A lot of teams saying they're out. Initially, I thought, okay, maybe there's a little bit of a collusion here. We had talked about that. But the more I look at it and read things and read the room, Baltimore wants to put a great team on the field. I don't think just because Cleveland was stupid enough and got away with it and did it, I don't think anybody else should do it, especially for a guy that's... How do I put this? He's a great athlete. I don't necessarily think he's a great passer of the football, and I, he's injury-prone, so I wouldn't give him a guaranteed contract either. How do you... Who blinks first here? 
Well, I'll disagree with you on a few things. First of all, 2019, not that long ago, unanimous MVP. So let, let's remember that. Secondly, when Lamar got hurt this year, he made a business decision. How often do teams tell players, hey, not personal, it's just a business move. We have to you know, take care of our organization. Well, Lamar's in a walk year. He's in a free agency year. Mm-hmm. Why is Lamar? Lamar made a business decision for himself that, okay, if you're not going to pay me, Baltimore, what I want, what I feel I'm worth, what the market will bear, Aaron Rodgers is making $60 million. He's going to turn 40 this year. Russell Wilson's a disaster. He's making $200 million guaranteed. On and on we can go. Lamar's saying, well, I'm not going to play through this injury until I know I have security. So I disagree with injury prone. I think Lamar just took stock of the situation and said, all right, I'm banged up. Why am I going to leave it all out there when something significant can go wrong? And it's really going to cost me in the pocket. Would you agree with this? Lastly, because we do have to go. uh, Would you agree with this? The only way anybody else gets a guaranteed contract, uh, like a quarterback. Okay, let's be honest. That's the position. Lamar. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert are all in the same kind of boat. If three of them got together and said, we're not playing unless we get a guaranteed contract, what are those owners going to do? I think what's going to end up happening is that quarterbacks are going to get a percentage of the cap. So it may not necessarily be a number every, you know, because there's no hometown discount with quarterbacks and the number keeps going up. Mm Mm-hmm. So X percent of the cap will go to Joe Burrow. I think that's the only thing that can really happen. No, that's that's a good point. Hey, for what it's worth, I'm always for the player. So I, if if Daniel Jones is getting a four year, one hundred and sixty million dollar deal, Lamar Jackson should trump that by a big time. Yeah. Absolutely. And remember, before he got hurt, Ballsy, when you go back to late September of this year, after they beat New England, Lamar Jackson led the NFL in passer rating. 119 in touchdown passes 10 and second highest average depth of target like these are real numbers for an elite quarterback mm-hmm. no it's a good point man hey thanks for your time we'll check in again with you and i know you'll be hanging out with my buddy zinger at the world baseball classic can't wait we're having lunch on monday so i'll have the full update for you both let's go bring me the bill okay bring me the All bill right. but don't spend too much it's a we got a <laughs> we got the we got the exchange rates gonna be killing me gonna be killing hey, me we're going for mexican so the queso is on you both okay good man that's a rash <laughs> you, man. that's a rash madani for smart investing solutions we'll be joined by jim hobson and then hopefully shortly by george reed next on the sports cage on 620 ckrm you're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Tell you what, man, this guy, I, I'm proud to call him a friend. Um, he's a guy that suggested to me, I've been trying to get some stuff signed by George Reed, not for resale or anything, just because he's a, like you said, Zinger, he is Jim Brown. He's walking around. So Jim Hobson has the friendship and the inside track. But then Jim's like, well, why don't we get George in? I thought, I got to get, you're going to get George Reed in and Jim Hobson and you got to do it. So we're waiting on George, but we got Jim Hobson 
in studio. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Glad to be here. Hey, uh, how are you feeling? Uh, you're going through cancer, and you, you just actually you just actually got your chemo bag off. Yeah, I had this was my uh, 36th treatment. I get one every couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, get the treatment on Tuesday. Um, get the bag off, chemo bag on Thursday. Feeling good. I, I'm so lucky. I don't get nauseous. I don't get wow. sick. And uh, you know, I'm, I won't say that it doesn't knock you down a little bit, but mm-hmm. hey, I'm almost two years in, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. So uh, our our colleague Pete Pasco has liver cancer. He's battling it. Uh, we have another guy, Troy Coaster, who's a rider fan, Pat fan, a Oiler fan, listens to the show. He's battling it. It's in his brain and everything like that. Still trying to keep a positive outlook. These guys are in their 40s and 50s. You're a little older than that, but not that bad. Hey, but how do you do it? Like, is it is it, it to beat it? Is obviously medicine, but is it is it just is it your mentality? I think uh, first of all, I've got an incredible. Uh, support team at the Ellen Blair Cancer Clinic. Uh, can't say enough about them. And, and positive, 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 positive. You know, and right from the start, uh, they told me I was in for a battle. They said it's it's treatable, but probably not curable. And mm-hmm. I said, well, let's enjoy life. And uh, we've we've tried to you know entertain, and uh, we've been to Mexico. Yeah. And, and uh, you know we're just we try to we try to make sure that we fill every day with you know good things. And I've been so blessed with my my entire life. But uh, my friends, my family. Yeah. You know, I had a friend call me, and I was sitting in the lobby. You know, how you doing? And yeah. So uh, no, um, it's tough. But you know, one in four people are going to end up with mm-hmm. some form of it. And you just gotta you you gotta. I wish now. Uh, I'd have been more aggressive in, in seeking out treatment early, but hey, I, I felt good, and you, mm. know, you know how that works. Yeah, huh? yeah. So when you think about your life, a Saskatchewan guy, educator, played for the Rams, played for the Riders, and was a uh, a team president in in, in arguably the in the most prosperous era in the team's history, you 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 have a few pinch me moments. There's no doubt about it, right? Well, I, do I've you always, appreciate it more oh, now? Oh, I've always said though, I've had a blessed life. You know, like. Uh, uh, football uh, changed my life, you know, back in grade 10, mm-hmm. Warren Schmier, Lenny to go, you're mm-hmm. playing football. And then Gord Curry, right. in education. Uh, and then the, you know, playing with the riders. And so it, it's incredible, especially for a kid from, you know, the North Annex. You yeah. Know? I grew up in a house that didn't have sewer and water in my first few years, you know. And so, you know, one day to be president of the riders. And, and so I, I really feel blessed. And, and, you know, I'm 72 years old and uh, uh, I hope we get a few more years. But, oh, yeah. but we've had a, a tremendous life. And uh, I can't say enough about the, the, you know, the friendships and the experiences, four great cups. And, yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's. It's good. So it, it takes a bunch of people to make things happen, okay? But when you walk into that stadium that we have now, how proud are you? Because you were you were part of the era. If we didn't have like anything, it, it, it had to measure up. Like the economy had to kind of go in the right direction. The football team had to go in the right direction in order to to get it to work. I look at my Padres. My Padres wanted a new stadium, and there was the vote coming up, and they had to win. And they did in 98, got to the World Series, and it was like a check mark, and boom, the Padres got a new stadium. Chargers didn't have the same thing, and they're gone to L.A. So just how proud are you to walk in there and know that you had a big part of that, like you were in an era that helped that move along? Well, it, it is. Uh, it was almost overwhelming at first, you know, to go there and and uh, be part of it, and you just sit there in awe, kind of. Because mm-hmm. it's a great stadium, great facility, and so I'm proud of that. But, you know... Uh, Maybe it's age, but it's still a nostalgia of the old Taylor oh, I Field. Love it. You know, playing there in high school, playing mm-hmm. there in the Rams, playing with the Riders. Uh, so, th- so many great memories. But uh, yeah, it's a great facility, and uh, uh, I like I like what they're doing. 
this off season. I think we're yeah. going to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need because we need that. If you, you know, reality is, if you don't have a good team, the crowds don't show up, and mm-hmm. we need that. So, um, but I, I feel I feel like we're on the right track anyway. You know, when talking about the stadiums, so we'll get into the football talk more. But in talking about the stadiums, mm-hmm. it's still a relatively new stadium. It, it feels like like I, I I joke about this. The old stadium was like when you went to a party in Glen Cairn, where I grew up. You didn't care if you spilled the beer on the carpet or whatever, right? There, it feels like you can't. You're in Wascan of you, and you can't touch anything. And you need a few more signature wins in that stadium to give it some character. That's a good point because you know I I love the old stadium, but we had five gallon pails catching rainwater. You know what it <laughs> yeah, was like. Yeah. And, and but the people loved it and. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. It's kind of like you're at, at your friend's new house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't want to wreck anything. <laughs> you don't want to spill a beer yeah, on the yeah, carpet. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, you're right. We need a we need a signature event like, you know, winning a Grey Cup at home yeah. or a big playoff win, that kind of stuff. Did you go to the Grey Cup? Did you go oh, yeah. to, you went to, yeah. I know we talked to you Grey Cup week. So, so we had kind of touched on it. I was sitting there and I didn't know who to cheer for. Like, I don't. We had Andrew Harris on, and I'm like, Andrew Harris, uh huh. <laughs> but then it was Winnipeg, so I ended up cheering for Toronto, and I, I thought, as a Saskatchewan fan, that was the best finish possible. I agree. And, uh, yeah, we, we went to the uh, alumni luncheon as part of that. Yeah, and, yeah, you uh, had a big hand in that. Yeah. And uh, we. Uh, uh, we went to the game, and uh, yeah, we just uh, we we tried to get out as much as we could. Yep. But I'm like you; I'm sitting there, and I was, you know, I was happy to be there. But you know, who do I cheer for? Winnipeg. Yeah. Jeez, I never liked Winnipeg, you know, for 40, 50 years because <laughs> they were our yes, enemy. I you love know? it. Yeah. And I remember playing against Winnipeg, and yeah. it's like, oh man. Yeah. yeah. And in Toronto, I, I don't have strong feelings, but I kind of ended up cheering for Toronto too at the end. And mm-hmm. I, you're right; that game turned out. Be pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Hey, we're excited to have Jim Hobson here. Hopefully, George Reed soon. And you can text us 936 6262. I'll get Jim's take. I got my top five rider list of all time. We kind of had the top two debate before. I'll see what he thinks. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, your sports ticker at 431, Tim Hortons Briar. Kelly Knapp, Saskatchewan, rank, wrapping things up on a good note. Saskatchewan beat Northwest Territory 6-5 to in the morning draw. In the afternoon draw, Saskatchewan beat wildcard number 2, 5-4 the final. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Well, Canadian running back Andrew Harris signed for one more final professional season as a member of the Toronto Argonauts, but he already knows what he will be doing after retirement. Harris is set to become the next head coach of the CJFL's Vancouver Island Raiders in 2024. Here's Michael Ball with Andrew Harris. Have you always wanted to be a coach? Like, what, you know, is that something you've always wanted to do? Honestly, I, I never thought I'd want to do this up until last year. And, and honestly, that, that was a big driving force for me. Wanting to think about this was was this, um, you know, this, this, this season, um, you know, and how things kind of played out. And, uh, and I mean, I had, had some opportunities to, to, to coach in the CFL as a positional coach. And I figured, you know, you know that, 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 that kind of stuff is always going to be there. But, uh this junior opportunity for me is, is something I want to come come back to get my grassroots um, feeling of you know wh- wh- where it started where 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 I got my kickstart and my um, you know my jump into the CFL and you know I, I think it's pretty special to be able to impact you know, some young men and and you know kind of get them on the right path and, and doing the right thing whether it's you know getting their lives started you know as young men um, you know off the field 
you know, whether it's, you know, trying to get them to the CIS ranks and, and you know, on, on in a starting position or whether it's, whether it's making the jump to the CFL. I think there's been less and less players from junior kind of making that jump. And I, and I'd like to see that kind of get ramped back up and, and get more guys, you know, that are from the junior ranks, you know, playing, playing the league just like I did. You're a perfect example of the C and the CFL. What kind of, uh, what kind of message do you have for a young football player listening to Andrew Harris, great Canadian running back? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, the thing, uh, the thing for me was, you know, everyone always told me, um, you know, even, even when I was coming out of high school, that I coaches told me to switch my position. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no running backs in, uh, in the CFL. You should play DB or receiver. Um, you know, even when I came up, I was, you know, too small, too, um, too, too, too weak, um, you know, not fast enough, uh, you know, too Canadian. Um, you know, so there was, there was so many different obstacles and, and, um, I think the biggest message here is, is if, if you really believe in something and, and you want to you want to achieve it, it's really up to you. And, um, and don't, do it until you uh, don't be denied. Is what basically what I'm saying is uh, keep keep going until you can't be denied. And um, you know just just keep on your best foot forward with a good attitude. Um, and good things will happen. Are you going to uh, stop and smell the roses this year? Like, I mean, uh, you're going to every city. Who knows if you'll be honored in every city because you are that impactful. But are you going to uh, make a point to stop and smell the roses, like when the Argos play in Winnipeg and that type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I think this year is going to def- definitely be a more of a, an appreciation year for me. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to take everything in a lot more. I'm not going to rush anything at all um, throughout my throughout this season and. Just enjoy it, and um, I mean, and, and it's a beautiful thing, man. Like the career I've had, um, really and truly, I've, I'm truly that blessed. And um, again, it's it's amazing to be able to uh, go out on your own uh, accord and be like, okay, I know this is my last year, and I'm gonna enjoy this. I'm gonna play play my heart out, and and you know, do what I can to to help us win games and and, and help us be successful on and off the field, and uh, and just enjoy enjoy every moment I can. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Back with former president, former player, Jim Hobson. Now, Jim, uh, first off, Craig uh, Smith is listening to us, uh, former scout, and he said, and I quote, let's hold on here, I gotta find it, he said, Jim Hobson is fantastic. One of the best I've ever worked with. Craig Craig Smith is a great guy. He's going through his own health battles, and he's tough as nails, too. He, I saw him uh, a couple weeks ago, and, uh, yeah, he's been battling this cancer thing, and great support from his wife. You know, she's mm-hmm. just been great, but uh, he's a good man, and uh, he really knows the CFL. Like, he's been around the league and uh, great scout still still wants to keep his hand in mm-hmm. so uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah I'm a big fan of Craig so I'm going with my top five riders this is my okay. list okay in reverse order like five yeah. to one I got Ray Elgard at five when he retired he was the greatest receiver of all time now, mind you, I'm younger than you, yeah, so you yeah. can dispute that. Four, this was a t- you could go four or three, either, like, you could make a debate. I had Aldag at four and Gino at three, Gene Makowski at three. I'm good. I, I'm like you. Either one. Either one. Either one, because it's a toss-up. They're, yeah, it is a toss-up. All-timers. Now, now the two statues out front are the are the, the 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 bell cows. Okay, I had Ron at two and George at one. Not just because George is supposed to be here, but as we talked before, I had Ron as the greatest figure in CFL history. I agree. Uh, his playing, 
his he was one of the all time announcers and yeah, color guys. He did just, everything, and, and I loved listening to him. And then as a head coach and GM, I mean, the guy did it all. He could and, have been commissioner too. Oh, I always he thought could have, he could, Ronnie could have been anything he wanted. He he was that kind of guy. And, yeah. Uh, no, I I don't disagree with uh, Elgard. I definitely would have in the top ten. The guy is he was something. So he, if he wasn't five, who'd be five in your opinion? You've been around longer than me, man. Probably a, a guy like Ed McCorders. Okay. You oh, know, Eddie, yeah, well, because, for sure, uh, yeah. I got I was yeah. lucky. I, I got to play yeah. with him at the end of his career, and he was still with one eye and bad mm. knees. Mm. He was still a load. And yeah. uh, great guy. And uh, uh, so, but you I know, bow he, to you. I bow to you. I forgot. <laughs> Ed McCorders with one eye. Sorry, yeah. Uh, but you have to remember, I didn't watch. I wasn't no. around when Ed McCorders no, was around in terms uh, of appreciation. He, uh, he was a big part of our, our first uh, Great Cup. You know, he came back up here. And, mm-hmm. You know, um, he and Roy Shivers. Uh, played together in St. Louis, oh, and wow. Ed got cut because they had a quota on on black players at the time. And and I remember Roy telling me Ed was our best defensive tackle, and they cut him. But he was, you know, doesn't that so I said that stupid how things uh, went? It's unbelievable. But I I set up a lunch one day with Maz and and uh, and Ed and uh, Roy, and uh, I, we were just in awe. You know, these guys are, mm-hmm. you know, like Roy was a heck of a mm-hmm. football player too in the NFL. Yeah. And a kick returner and running back. And listening to those two guys was just, uh, it was really something that we were able to do. You there. know, I, uh, in terms of influential guys in team history, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Tom Shepard did a great job with the Absolutely. Friends of the Riders uh, touchdown lottery. Uh, there's been so many great guys, but you, you'd be at that top of that list, man, in terms of ushering in things, the code of conduct and everything like that. How, how without, you know, how concerned were you? Now, there wasn't a lot of off se- off-field BS in terms of, I think, Gary Johnson had something, but there wasn't a lot off the field. But just what you saw with Garrett Marino and everything that went down and all that stuff, how concerned were you as a guy watching that from the outside? I, I had concerns... Uh, last year with overall team discipline. Mm-hmm. I, I felt, I'm a big fan of, of, of Dickey. I think he's a, a great guy and uh, I loved him as our special team coach. Uh, but he's a very, uh, he's a laid back head coach, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. he likes to empower the players and the, and the assistants. But you could see that discipline issue, the penalties and some of the stuff that was going on. Um, you know, at first, I, I still have mixed feelings about it. You need guys that play to the edge. You know, I know we take mm-hmm. some criticism, but I played with Bill Baker. And you know what? Bakes, Bakes played to the edge. and Well, they named him the Undertaker, <laughs> for right. God's sakes, right? Uh, so, you know, you need, and Ralph Galloway, and those guys were, were tough guys. You know, they mm-hmm. really set the tone. So I thought, and, and uh, I talked to the guys around the, the locker room, and they said Marino's very popular in the locker room. Yeah. Like he's a guy that the players like. But, you know, he just, he went over the edge, and it uh, kind of set the team on the wrong track. And then Duke and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Even Marshall, you know, t- you know criticizing uh, mm-hmm. uh, head coach and stuff like that. So uh, the team discipline has to, has to get better. There's no doubt about that. I like a lot of the moves they've made. They've brought in some good players, a good, I think a good quarterback, some receivers. Uh, um, we're going to be better. Would you? I, would you have coached? Would you have coached? Would you have taken a guy like? Listen, I Cody's blocked me because I was critical of him, saying he he maybe didn't have the mental makeup yeah. to be the quarterback of the Rough Riders, the toughness like a Darian yeah. Durant. But I thought he was a good guy. He's a good man. He yeah. was a decent quarterback. Would you have taken Cody aside and said, "Hey, like maybe, man, like let's 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 watch how we're presenting ourselves as the quarterback in terms of talking about your teammates, talking about your head coach, even talking about how uh, you're get you know the criticisms getting to you." 
I, I might have, but you know, I, I tried in my time there to let the head coach and general manager be the face of the team with the players and so on. They certainly knew who I was, and you know, I, I I'd drop around the locker room and go on team trips and so on. So if a player indicated they wanted to talk to me about something, I, I was happy to because mm. I, I could I talk and I, I had some credibility because of the fact I played. You know, so mm. when I went in the locker room, the guys uh, were okay with that. Uh, but you know, it's everybody reacts different. I like Cody. I, I saw a lot of good there. And, mm. and but he he was sensitive. I mean, uh, you know, Darian took heat because he kind of kept to himself. But that was his way of dealing with the pressure. And mm. uh, uh, he was very respected in the locker room. Uh, you know, of course, I played with Ronnie. Well, not a better guy in the world to handle pressure. And you know, he just was immune to that stuff. You mm. know? And he had the great personality. George, quieter. Kept to himself, you know. Didn't didn't uh, didn't say a lot, but he let his actions, uh, you know, get up from the ground, hand the ball, and limp back to the huddle. And well, I've always said my favorite line is, George, why don't you run back to the huddle? Because they only get paid to run one way. <laughs> but I saw the picture I put on Twitter that you gave me. Yeah, you know. He, you must be ready as an offensive lineman to have friendly fire because the one picture he's running over you, yep. it's like he's just gonna. It doesn't matter if it's white, if it's green, if it's red. He's running over that person. Uh, uh, George was uh, you know, one way, and uh, uh, you knew when you're blocking for George, you better get out of the way. Like you better make your blocking and, and get out of the way because George is coming. And uh, first time he ever spoke to me in my my rookie training camp, and I'm a you know junior player up. Who, mm-hmm. who am I? And uh, uh, I was doing a pass blocking drill and I backed up and I stepped on George's foot and George says, rookie, don't be stepping on my feet. <laughs> that was the first line. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. Reed. <laughs> yeah. That is hilarious, man. Did, did you, do you marvel at, like, this is why I wanted to have him in, have you in, uh, for different reasons, but the same reason too. Like this guy, it, it's amazing. People will be cheering, they're looking at something, and all of a sudden they show them on the big screen, and it's like the Pope. It's just a reverence, and it should be that way, because this guy played in an era, there was no platooning of running backs. Everybody knew he was getting the ball, and just stopped me. Like, that's what, he gave up his body, everything, for this uh, Rider Nation. Everything, and, uh, I mean, his his record stand, you know, speak for themselves in terms of his uh, carrying the ball, but George was also one tough dude and a heck of a blocker and a good pass receiver. He could do it all. Mm. And he actually used to like to block, I think. Like, he, he wasn't afraid to mix it up. We played linebacker when he was in college as well, mm-hmm. so yeah, he's a tough dude. Uh, didn't say a lot. Uh, would you put him in the same category? People will laugh, but would you put him in the same category as Jim Brown and and also a, a Walter Payton? Oh, yeah, I think so. Uh, and remember, George came up here at a time that salaries in the CFL were as good or better than the NFL. Mm-hmm. He actually had a, a, a like a three-year deal with Denver. They wanted him down there, and I think George would have been successful down there. But, you know, he was getting his career going here. He liked it here. The money was good, and uh, he, you know, he stayed, and uh, we're just lucky. I mean, we're blessed that we had a guy like that, and he's been with us so long afterwards. Mm. Well, yeah. we, we hope to get him in here. We yeah. don't know. He could be missing in action. <laughs> Jim was supposed to bring him, but Jim's like, I can't because i got to go get a little thing called chemotherapy. <laughs> So he has a good excuse. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here with Jim Hobson, former president and CEO of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders player, Regina Ram, educator, big man in the community for sure, and uh, battling cancer the way he used to battle defenders. So, Jim, um, I had a fan come up to me and say, you know, uh, 
I don't feel like the riders went all in like they did in 2013 when uh, when Brendan and and Jim were running the show. Now I don't want you to comment on this regime because listen, you weren't you're friends with Craig, but you weren't on the inside. And I'm not saying they didn't try to win it because they did, but they took a different approach. They even said, "Hey, we want to build, uh, we want to spread it out, so we have a you know residual effect year over year." Uh, and it obviously didn't work one for one reason or another. And now they have to they're spending a little bit more. They bring in the 36 year old quarterback who we both like in Trevor Harris but just talk about back then when you were going for it like you were you were going for it all we were no doubt about that um I learned fairly quickly that you're only as good as your as your record you yeah. know and uh yeah I mean we had a great run 07 uh and 9 and 10 uh but then we uh we bombed out in in 11 and uh I knew that, uh, first of all, we couldn't have two bad years in a row. That wasn't mm-hmm. going to happen. How much we, pressure is that, by the way? Well, it's pressure. It's pressure whether you're winning or losing. Uh, sometimes there's more pressure when you're winning, you know, because mm-hmm. you're on a roll and you mm-hmm. want to keep it going. But but I, I knew that we had to we had to go all in. I mean, we, that, you know, once in a lifetime to have that uh, that uh, game in, in the, the old Taylor Field because we were working on the new one and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so on. So we went all in, and we felt we had the team that could do it. And and uh, Brendan added some nice pieces, you know, Dwight mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. different things. And G. Roy, those type of G- guys. Yeah, John Chick it, came back. Yeah, we just had Labatt. A, we had a lot of leadership on that yeah. team. And uh, uh, and Darian, of course, and and uh, so on. But uh, no, we just felt like we, we had a chance. And and the, I mean. Uh, I, so I don't I don't get too too hung up on it, but I look back and we could have had one in nine. We could have had one in. So what I mean, I was gonna. I'm glad you brought that up. It's like you you read my mind. It is it like how much is it? Because I ask guys this: do the do the wins stay with you, or the losses stay with you longer? Losses, the losses. Uh, I love you know thirteen is you know highlight of my life but uh and seven was wonderful but uh i'm still bothered by the loss in 76 you know when we lost mm-hmm. to ottawa and of course uh nine nine uh and uh and ten different though because you know one was a mistake we win the game and then we lose the game uh but we were in both and uh uh i'll tell you what my my wife is funny because uh i'd say something after a close game you know geez that's a great game she says i hate those games i said why she said i like winning 52 nothing remember when we yeah, 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 yeah. So those are the games I like. Yeah. So, well, it's easy on everybody. But so, you you experienced both '76 and 2009. Now, maybe it's where you are in your life. Now, you're a little closer to it, so maybe you can't answer. Maybe it's a you can't answer it exactly how I want you to. But like for me, I couldn't believe being on this side of the microphone and handling the calls. People aren't. People, that just went away in like a week where people still talk about 76. It seems like that traumatized more than 2009. Was it because Ken Miller was our coach? And everybody's like, well, Grandpa Ken, we don't want to really rag on him too much. I, You know, that's a great point. Uh, I remember uh, being on the team bus and uh, going back to the hotel and we'd set up a party and all that stuff. Of course, yeah. you know, some of the guys showed up to have something to eat, but yeah, we're all down and we got back to the hotel and I'd invited some people up and my wife went to bed. She said, I can't take it. She just yeah. going. So I started you know, checking my phone and I'm getting mex- messages and that. And, Ninety percent are positive. Like you know, mm-hmm. and I was like you. I'm going. Who? It's not going to be pretty getting off that plane. Yeah. You know, going home. But yeah. but people, you're right. They didn't. 
they didn't hang on to it. They were proud of us. We'd won in 07. Uh, it, it was it was kind of remarkable. And I think that kind of set the stage for the next year where the guys came back with the belief, the community's still with us, we're going to win this year. And you know, we only got four championships, Jim, and people, <laughs> other fan bases belabor us, but like in that stretch with Reed and Linecaster, you, we could have had more than the one. And and then in your stretch here as the president, we should have won, we won in 07, should have won in 09, 10, Montreal kind of controlled the game. Uh, you know, 12, who knows, that we blew that West semifinal. Yeah. 13, we won, and we would have won in 14, I'm sure of it, if, if, if Durant doesn't hurt himself on that play non-play in Winnipeg. Non-play in Winnipeg. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was thinking about this last year's Great Cup. And I look at Toronto, and they've won a lot of Great they Cups. They never lose. And I'm going, and that franchise is often a mess. You yes. know, they got ownership issues, and gee, and yet they win Great Cups. And I'm going, what is that? We have a great community and, and and often a great team, and we just can't seem to, you know, get the break sometimes. Yeah. And But yeah. you know what? Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get back on the, is it on tough, the right side. Is it tough to get people to come here and play? We didn't find it that way. No. Um, um, guys want to play, and they're going to go where the where the best offer is, where they have an opportunity. Now you've got great facility, great fan base. I mean, no, I don't think so. Is I, the I, fan base a positive, or is it a detriment? Like, do players see it as a positive or a detriment? The fishbowl. I, I think they see it as a positive. Uh, they're recognized. They get opportunities for outside, you know, Stuff. things, endorsements. Yeah. Yep. Uh, never heard, you know, and, and quite a few of the guys will stay around. I just had a great visit uh, with Macho Harris about oh, two yeah, weeks yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, Who's in the community. He's got a few Working up family. at Everaz, yeah. Yeah, and uh, loving it, you know, and and a great guy. And so, uh, no, and Ed McCorders is still here. George Reed is still here. You know, you go through the list. And, uh, uh, no, I don't think it hurts us. Um, but uh, we went through that. Lovable loser period. Yeah. Twenty years of that, you know, oh. and and all credit to him. Roy Shivers came in and made a difference. You that's know? why. That's why. From my perspective, now people say it's a mess. It's a mess. I'm like, they had two years where they went to the West Final and and then had a bad year. I as a kid growing up, I would have killed for that. I agree. From '76 to '88, I didn't see a never mind a home playoff <laughs> game, Jim. I didn't see a damn playoff game. I know when we had our first home playoff game after 20 years, it was like people were lined up at five in the morning. Yes, to get tickets, you know. Yeah, and uh, no, I I agree. Uh, yeah, we had a bad year, but uh, we had two good years before, and mm. could have easily been in the Great Cup. Mm. You know. Yeah. So um, you know, catch a few breaks, uh, keep our quarterback standing up, and uh, we should be okay. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, we are going to. Um we got. I got a text they wrote down from somebody here before we go to break. Sure. Your most, pr- your proudest moment in as a as a as a football man. Dave wants to know. I'm not just talking riders in general. What's your proudest moment as a football man, player, president? Well, going back to being a player, uh, we were talking about this the other day. Was uh, you know being introduced as a starter for the riders in 1974. You know, starting at left guard, and that was that was a pretty big deal. You know, to go out there and your mom and dad in the stands and mm-hmm. that kind of. Did thing. you pee your pants? Uh, probably not, but uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? You know, in those days. Uh, uh, I was on the field a few times when the guys uh, not only peed themselves but uh, had the other. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! But anyway, were you I, nervous? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I was not known as the fastest guy in the team, but I actually made the first two tackles on the punt team. I was so jacked up, like cause, that's awesome. Of course, in those days, you know, you pl- you played everything. Yeah, thirty-two players. So that was a big deal. Um, and and then you know the 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 Grey Cup in in 07 was so. 
so huge to the franchise and to me because I you know fired Roy Shivers hired mm-hmm. Aaron Tillman a lot of controversy and for us to win but probably not probably 13 yeah and you know what was coolest sitting in the stands a half an hour after the game and nobody's left people are just sitting there and kind of soaking it up and I'm going it's crazy you know? I uh, I couldn't believe I was I looked around and people I thought it would be more bedlam but people no. weren't they weren't they couldn't believe we won on home turf I went to Neil Hughes I thought I was going to get fired the very I, I grab the mic. I say, Neil, what do you think about this? Can you effing believe this, Palsy? This is unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. I'm fired. But that was great. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll keep Jim around again because I want to ask him about what's going on in the league. Former president and CEO. He sat at the big round table in league discussions. Jim Hobson joining us. And maybe George Reed is maybe George Reed is still in town. We'll see if he's going to show up. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, we were hoping to be joined by George Reed. Not sure where he is. Hopefully he's okay. He was supposed to be here, but he'll do a make good. No doubt about it. But we are joined by the president, former president of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and CEO, Jim Hobson, joining us here. So I want to talk a little bit about the league here and what's going on. You've been involved in these meetings, and it's never easy when you got private and public and that type of thing. Um, first of all, the Montreal Alouettes ownership. Bob Wetnall did a great job back in the day and didn't make any money. Uh, it was a it was a passion for him. Um, I had a little bit of you know I was a little skeptical when they sold it to a ninety one year old guy Sid Spiegel when there were other groups that wanted it. He passes away and now they're back into it again. Uh, just what are you making of that Montreal situation? That's a head scratcher to me, but I hopefully they can rectify it. Right? I, I hear they can. They've got some some good uh, people very interested. Uh, I was a big fan of Bob Whitnall. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to make of him. Mm-hmm. The first time uh, I met him, he walks in and he, you know, he's got a cigarette hanging mm-hmm. out of his mouth and a <laughs> gravelly voice. And, yeah. But the guy was so good for the league, so good for the the Montreal franchise and uh, just a, a class class act. And so it's an important franchise. And when they've got good management and ownership, they're a good franchise. You know, they have, mm-hmm. they have good crowds uh, and everything else. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't be the CFL if we didn't have one team in trouble. I know. That's how I, you know, it's funny <laughs> you say that. That's how I used to cheer. I, yeah. and the riders were always my team. And then I would cheer for the team that was closest to folding. So if it was the uh, Ottawa Rough Riders yeah. or the Montreal Alouette slash Concords, that's kind of who I cheered for. Yeah. And, you know, um, we're not 100%, but we're in pretty good shape. I mean, you look at the West. Um, good franchises right now. Good, good leadership. Mm. Uh, you know, BC's bouncing back. Aren't you concerned a bit? Of, yeah, sorry for cutting you off. BC's done a good job. Dolman's doing yes, a good job there. Yeah. He's got he's got deep, deep pockets. Yeah, and and Rick Lawless and I are good friends. And Rick just retired from there as president, and uh, he was telling the staff. He said, "Well, will you see who I'm bringing in for the band this year? Like mm. last year, they blew yeah. it out of the water. Yeah, with One Direction. And yeah. you know, in Calgary's got Huff and uh, and Dicky. And, and how concerned uh, are you about? Edmonton, like with Chris Jones, Chris Jones, his 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 template has always been the same. Come in here, blow the team up, get rid of some guys. Uh, the first year not so great, but you're starting to see something. Then t- the next year it's good, and the third year you're really competing. Edmonton, 
has to win this year because they are falling off the map in Edmonton. It's embarrassing when you watch their games. This was the flagship of the CFL for mm. many years. When I started with the Riders, I said, I want to be the new Edmonton Eskimos. I want to mm-hmm. I want to be a class act that wins consistently. And and that's who they were. And you know, it's really been sad. I don't know what they got, seven, 8,000 people at a game sometimes. Yeah. They got to win, and they got to win now. Uh, and and I'm you know I'm not always a, a fan of Chris Jones, but I will give the man credit. He wins. He knows he has a formula, mm-hmm. and it works. And he works his tail off, brings in his team. Uh, they'll be better. They'll be in the hunt this year. Uh, and you're right. Next year's got to be a you know kind of yeah. A top, the, top two, they haven't won in two calendar no. years on home turf, and I don't care if Jim Hobson's running the team or Hugh Campbell. If you don't win, people don't come. That's you know, the bottom line. Even in our worst days, we'd manage to win on Labor Day, you know, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We would. We'd yeah, beat yeah. Winnipeg. Well, and, and you got to have that. Yeah. And, and they got to win. So, so other than Edmonton in the West, I mean, the rest is solid. And uh, Ottawa looks like they're going to be good or better again. Tip of the hat, by the way, Riders. And listen, the Riders have the best fans. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I think the best fans last year were the Ottawa Red Black fans. They still had 20,000, and that was a pitiful team to watch. It was. And, and I, I'm with you. I've been to games in Ottawa, and it's a great experience. They do a heck of a job down there. Yeah. Those fans are passionate, and they didn't have a lot to cheer. You know, they were losing. They were win- coming close to winning, but they just couldn't get mm-hmm. over the hump. And I think they'll be better this year. They got a good, good uh, group there. Um, Hamilton will be fine, um, but what happens in Montreal? We got to figure that one. What out. What do you think about your buddy Bobby Dice getting a chance to uh, to actually be a head coach when he's not doing mop up duty? You know what I mean? He had, I, to, he had to be the cleaner two years and uh, two he, times. He did. You know, I really have a lot of respect for Bob. Um, a great guy, a great, great coach and, and family guy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was a little surprised when he was became our head coach, you know, because mm-hmm. coordinator and uh, and a kind of a low-key guy, yeah. but very personable and, and well-respected. Um, so I wasn't shocked when he got the Ottawa job. You know, he's 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 stable. He's uh, he's going to rely on his coaches. Uh, he, he's got a heck of a background, and so no, I like Bob a lot. And he's got Brendan there, and uh, that's the thing with Bob, with a guy like Bob Dice or Craig Dickinson. Really nice guys, really good coaches. You got to have somebody on your staff that's a dink, or you got to have some players that are dinks that will keep people in line. That's and that's maybe what the the Riders kind of had a little bit of the in 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 the inmates running the asylum so to speak right i don't disagree and i was very fortunate uh when i played with the riders that you know our coach really didn't have to do a lot because ronnie and george set the tone you mm. know george just with his play and his his attitude and his, his toughness but ronnie would call you out you know and because uh, he was a he was a fiery competitor mm-hmm. you know and and he didn't care if he threw five interceptions as long as we won the game you mm-hmm. know, he really didn't no and, uh, uh so we had that you know, we had and we had a bunch of other guys, uh, Gary Brandt and Larry Bird, and yeah. you know, uh, Timmy Roth, and just yeah. goes on and on. We had there was so much veteran talent on the team, and we had that in in uh, in, the, in my reign too. We had some really good leaders, and uh, last year we didn't seem to have that that team leadership to you know kind of step up when times were tough. Would Jim Hobson have stood up? Because I don't think Randy Ambrosi does it on his own. Would Jim Hobson have stood up? I hope he would have stood up when last year, before training camp, they walked out for a day because the first agree the first proposal was no Canadians ten years. Like this is the Canadian Football League. I would hope Jim Hobson would have stood up and said, "Wait, come on, guys, this is stu- pure stupidity." 
I was on the, the negotiation team uh, when I was was still with the writers, and mm-hmm. I uh, I I would never have been able to you know not say something very mm-hmm. very loud and very often mm-hmm. about this is the Canadian Football League. That's who we are, mm-hmm. and and uh, you think of all the great Canadians that have played, and no, we got We got to keep that Canadian presence, and we can't be shrinking it down to like. Uh, you know, three guys or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need. I, I'm not opposed to letting uh, Americans become uh, Canadians as players after a certain period in the league and yep. living in the community and stuff. Because we did that in the past and it worked yeah. out just fine. As long as they're in the community, being a part of it, community right. service, all that type of yeah, stuff. They got to live here and be here and, yeah. and part of it. But, but no, we get, we're the Canadian Football League, and uh, I think you talked about Ray Elgard. Well, geez, we go through the list. You know, of oh. great Canadians that played in this franchise and Tanner Ness and. And the list goes on and on, you know. But the thing is, they wouldn't have played if there wasn't a ratio. Because not because they're not good, not because Jim Hopkins not a good football player. Uh, you know, I told Randy Ambrosi that to his face on the radio. You wouldn't have played without a ratio because they wouldn't have looked for you. My first year, I was on the junior protected list for most of the year. Played five games back on the junior protect or back on the uh, practice roster. My next year as a starter, but I wouldn't have had that opportunity if. If the uh, mm. league didn't mandate that we're Canadian players, mm. so uh, lastly, before I let you go, and hopefully we can do a make good with George Reed because yeah, we, so. we we love uh, Jim Hobson. You'll have to bring him in again. Make sure you bring him this yeah, time, okay? Okay. Lastly, <laughs> lastly, looks like they're talking about a temporary pop up thing now in Halifax where the riders are going. Yes. Uh, listen. It's time to you-know-what or get off the pot. They've been talking about this since the 70s. Like, this is do or die now for football in Halifax and, and Atlanta, Canada. Yeah, I think we're at that point. I mean, it's been going on and on. We've been so close. Obviously, there's a, a segment of the population down there that likes it, but the reality is it was mostly Ryder fans there yes, last year. Yes, and, and that's so, why they're going back again. So, I mean, it, yeah, the Ryder brand travels well, but uh, we can only play down there once or twice a year, and uh, and they've got to build their own their own uh, fan base. So I don't know. It, it's going to be tough. Um, there was also talk about going into Quebec with a team in Quebec City or mm-hmm. Hull or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, we might just be a nine-team league for, for a while yet. Tell you what, sure. we're going to bump one more guest and keep Jim for one more segment because his <laughs> meter's plugged till 5.30 and I want to ask him another question. You been... All right. Hobson, you want to do the whole show? This is going to be your show. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, we got this guy around. He's doing well, fighting cancer and loving talking sports with him. It's Jim Hobson, Michael Ball. It's a sports cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Michael Ball, Jim Hobson here. We'll be joined by uh, Glenn Souter on the Western Pizza Hotline for his regular Thursday hit uh, after 5.30. So we'll get Jim in here for one more segment before he has to go to the parking meter. I do not want to pay for your parking ticket because uh, I haven't paid all mine up yet. Uh, one, one more session and it's the Jim Hobson show. There we go. Uh, I'm okay with that, man. <laughs> I'm sure the fans are too. Hey, so Hoppy, uh, I want to know this. I don't think I've ever asked you this. You, you had a great run here, obviously, and I know Craig Reynolds. They come to Craig for a lot of things, yep. too. They, they lean on Craig. He's, just, yep. he's smart behind the scenes, too. Did you ever have a chance, were you ever offered a chance to be the commissioner of the Canadian Football League? I would have loved to have seen Ronnie do it. Russ Jackson, I think, would have made a great guy. Uh, you, you almost you need a player like a Randy Ambrosi in there. I, 
I don't. I wouldn't give Randy like stellar marks. It's just me talking. I, I wouldn't say he's terrible. There's some things I wish he'd do, have done different or better. Uh, but you, were you ever offered the opportunity? The opportunity was there. Uh, we talked about it, uh, but we just felt like uh, we had. A, I'd had a wonderful career, and it was time to hit the bucket list stuff. And uh, uh, there's times I thought about it, but uh, no, we've 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 been very blessed in the you know last few years able to do so much and, and then hitting cancer you know yeah. so, so uh, no uh, but I, I agree with you I think Ronnie Lancaster might have been the best ever commissioner because the guy was so personable but he was tough and smart he you mm-hmm. know he didn't he didn't take any uh, BS or, you know he was you know when Ronnie was in the room because he was that big a personality of course you know? uh, Al Ford was a great guy oh. behind the scenes and it's funny of how we, we were just talking about it earlier in the show he, and we've had him on a week or so ago, his grandson Jackson yes. Ford. It's funny how time flies, eh? It is, and you know, El doesn't get enough credit. Uh, those years when he was GM, they had no money. They were, you know, it was just a tough slogging. And and uh, you know, I, I El Ford taught me it. Tom Collegiate, you know, mm-hmm. he's another one of those guys that had an influence on me mm-hmm. and uh, that I looked up to. And, you know, I still think back to that, you know, first day in the locker room and there's Al Ford and George Reed and Ronnie Lancaster. And, you know, these are legends. And so for a kid from Regina to be around that, you're just uh, thinking, wow. And then first time George and Ronnie lit up a cigarette in the locker room, I was like, holy moly, this is not <laughs> this is not junior football. <laughs> Things have changed. Like, I, 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 I don't know that I've ever, like, I've heard stories that Ron used to kind of hide the smoke on the sidelines, but I will tell you i watched a replay of the 77 gray cup and the alouette coach i forget his name he was smoking on the sidelines oh yeah it was a different time and uh, i remember before we renovated the locker room the old lockers had a little circle mm-hmm. in the uh, in the seat mm-hmm. and uh, somebody said to jeremy one day hey jo what's that for he said well that's where we used to keep our ashtrays and the guy's like what <laughs> wow because we smoked in the locker room yeah. you know and uh uh, well, smoked on planes, everything. Well, yeah, planes. Uh, <laughs> Sandy Archer, he got a legend, yeah. legendary trainer. He smoked on the sideline, and and some of the guys smoke would go up behind Sandy during the game and go, "Sandy, baby, give me a hit," and he'd hold a cigarette mm. up to me. You know, such a different time. I mean, and now I I can't even think of a player that I that I saw smoke or even, So, you know. Jim, you got to set the record straight for me, okay? I get a lot of BS from coaches over the years and stuff. You may have BSed me before, too, but now you can be a straight shooter. I'm just joking. But, like, I know guys talk about breaking the season up into blocks of six, okay? Yep. Okay? But... They always say, oh, no, we're just on to, as Belichick said, we're on to Cincinnati, we're on to Calgary, we're on to Hamilton. But you can't tell me at the start of the year you don't look at the schedule. Because I'll tell you this right now, this first game guaranteed win night in Edmonton for the Riders, going into play Edmonton where they haven't won in two calendar years, the Riders got to get off to a good start because... Uh, when you're the flagship franchise, you have a heavy weight, and the Rough Riders have to go to Halifax again. The Tractor Factor—they're doing nothing to promote it, but bring the Riders in. So, so they're going to play a game against a very good BC Lions team on Saturday, July 22nd, and then have to fly cross country with all the media BS and play in Halifax. So, did you, in your role, sit down with your coaches and GMs and kind of pseudo map out what your win loss record would look like? Yeah, that was something that, you know, kind of caught me, uh, I wouldn't say off guard a little bit, but uh, clearly all the GMs I worked with, Roy and Eric and Kenny and and Brendan, absolutely. We'd sit down at the beginning of the year, and I wasn't used to that because, you know, playing with the Rams, we went undefeated Mm. for a couple years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I want to win every game, you know, president and all that stuff. and, And they'd say to me, winnable, winnable, 
must win, debatable, going to be tough We're on a four-day week and stuff. Mm-hmm. They were very pragmatic about it, about what you know, how many games they need to win in each section. Generally, how close were they in predicting? Pretty close, pretty close. Although you get that upset, you lose a yeah. game, you should have won. Uh, that was the thing that I found frustrating with, with Roy and Danny's regime. And I have a, I have a lot of respect for, for Roy, and yeah. uh, I enjoyed being around him a lot. But we consistently lost games we should have won, mm-hmm. you know, at home, and and it was frustrating because we had a pretty good team, but we just yeah. couldn't get over the hump. And uh, Eric and Kent were were very, you know, accurate in what they could mm-hmm. see coming, and they tell me, "Don't panic. We got, we're okay." We Do got you think if Roy Shivers had moved on from Danny Baird and wasn't kind of bullheaded to keep Danny, that you might have gone in a different direction and not removed Roy Shivers? And and and, and if they say he hired a Ken Austin to be the coach, absolutely. Uh, you know, Roy left town bad both of me, and it yep. was his pride. And that, yep. but we actually got along pretty well, and I had a lot of respect for him. Uh, and I would say, you know, Roy, uh, you've done a great job, but we're not going to get over the hump with Danny. And he said, my wife and daughters tell me that, and I'm going, but Roy, he said, we came together, we'll leave together. You know, he had that <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that that fierce allegiance to you know to uh, to Danny. And uh, so one day, I actually got him to. I said, Roy, if if we moved on from Danny, who would you hire? He named four white guys. You know, it wasn't it wasn't yeah. about it was it wasn't about race. No, it wasn't. And and you know, Roy, he was a smart guy and, yeah. and funny and all kinds of stuff. And I think if we could have, uh, you know, could have had a better relationship. But the big thing was Roy had been in charge of the operation top to bottom, and then I was going to come in, and he had to report yeah. to me. And so his pride took a hit there. There's an ego in football. And, there's a, and, he's, and Roy's got a big ego, so do I. But uh, You have to, to be in pro he, sports. He, I don't care what anybody oh, says. You're getting you beat to. up. You're getting all yeah. kinds of... But he was... Uh, uh, Roy, Roy did a lot of good for yeah. us. Hey, we got a caller. Jim wants to talk to you. I'm going to give you my headset, and okay. you can take the call there, okay? So there we go. Uh, I'll uh, introduce it here. Just get him on there. Okay, uh, Jim, go ahead. You're on with uh, Jim Hobson. Jim and Jim. Hey, Hi, uh, Jim. I don't really remember me, but anyway, uh, I uh, used to uh, hang out in the cell a bit with uh, <laughs> Bill Hickey, Jim Elms, uh, and George. And uh, you remember a guy named R.C. Gamble? Yes, I do, yeah. And I think he scored five or six touchdowns because George had a broken toe. Yeah. And George come limping into the cell. And uh, we said, well, George, what's the toe situation? He said, it'll be froze, and I'll be playing, because that son of a bitch wants to take my job. (laughs) (laughs) That would be George. One tough dude, I'll tell you. Yeah, and he did. Jim, you remember the LaSalle days? We were down in Detroit with George Reed when he went into the uh, Ditka Hall of Fame, and there was Jim Marshall, who played with us one year and lived at the LaSalle. Wow. (laughs) The stories, man. uh, But there was, yeah, there was always uh, Saturday afternoon, if the riders weren't on the road, there was uh, Jim Elms, Bill Hickey, uh, myself, because my son was a goaltender, and I always owed Bill money. George and uh, George Reed and uh, a couple other guys would drop in, but there was always uh, 4:30 beers at the LaSalle. And uh, George, I remember one time I said to him, "So is Keith going to be a football player?" He said, "Nope." I told him to get into baseball. If he can be successful once out of three times, 
that's a pretty good sport. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, Jim, we got to go. Thanks for your time, okay? Thanks, Jim. Bye. Appreciate it. Jim, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you coming in. It's great. No and uh, You take that sports cage hat, and uh, <laughs> we'll and uh, hopefully we can get George we'll in get here. here. We'll get him here. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Yeah, thank that's awesome. Guys. Yeah, it's awesome. Appreciate we'll be back with more of the sports cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. It's 5.32 with the sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Tim Horton's Briar. Kelly Knapp, Saskatchewan rank. Wrapping things up on a good note today. Saskatchewan beat Northwest Territory 6-5 to in the morning draw. And in the afternoon draw, Saskatchewan beat Team Wildcard number 2, 5-4 the final. Coming up on the other side of the break, press coverage with Glenn Suter. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. This is Pat Chat brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. You can check out the new CBH menu at CanadianBrewHouse.com. Well, you're going to have games like this in a season, and the Pats had one last night at the Brand Center, falling to the lowly Edmonton Oil Kings by a count of... 3-2. to two. Now on the bright side, Connor Bedard became the fifth fastest player in Pat's history to reach the 60 goal mark, but of course he did it in a losing cause. The boys in the broadcast caught up with young defenseman Corbin Vaughn after the game. Uh, we had a good start there. Working hard, kind of getting pucks in the net and uh, kind of just let us sink down to their level, kind of. Kind of just hoping to have a short-term memory at the end of this one here. Yeah, and how important is it to have a short-term memory and just kind of erase this tape, erase this from your from your young minds, and focus on the upcoming road trip, which is crucial. Uh, yeah, just just kind of forgetting about this game and the next couple games we have are huge. So focusing on this push coming up uh, is very important. Uh, we talk about forgetting this game. So if you look at some of the games of the past, you guys have beaten obviously Winnipeg and some of the other top teams in the Western Hockey League. Just talk about the confidence that the group has had, uh, especially since getting you know a full forward lineup after being short because of injuries all season long, and uh, what that's done for their group. Maybe not specifically tonight, but as of late. Uh, yeah, lately, kind of just been playing as a team, uh, buying in and trusting the process there. So uh, just keep it up, moving forward and. That's get win those games. Yeah, Corbin, I know you're not a veteran, but uh, to me, you're somebody just from being around you over the course of the season that um, is is become much more mature as the season's gone on. I've been very impressed with you and your brother's maturity over the course of the year. Who are some of the people on this Regina Pats team, some of the players that have helped guide you through your first season in the Western Hockey League, and your brother as well? Yeah, my brother, obviously, and then uh, my big brother's there. Luke Bateman, Tanner Brown, Riley Janelle. Yep. Uh, school guys are uh, school guys all Shantz, Beds, Howie, Mike, Herman, uh, Piner. They're the younger guys, you know, kind of learning as we go. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second alone, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out. Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. 
And it's brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you qualitytire.ca. Glenn Suter joining us. Man, we've had a lot of rider greatness in here. Hopefully you can catch up with George Reed. We had like uh, two bags full for him to autograph, but <laughs> maybe that's what he, he he had a sore wrist. He's like, I can't come in or something. Yeah, Carpal tunnel or something. But we'll hopefully, get him in here. Yeah, absolutely. But we had a great conversation with Jim Hobson and we're joined now by Hall of Fame broadcaster Ryder Plaza of Honor Safety Glenn Suter. You know, I was talking with Jim about uh, the the history of this team and you know um, this team has only won four championships but they've been around it a lot like in George and Ronnie's day with Jim in there they probably should have had two or three more championships but their level of competition whatever they just couldn't get over the hump uh, one thing or the other then you look when Jim Hobson is um is the president of this team. 2007 they win. 2013 they win. They won and lost the Grey Cup in remarkable fashion, depending on which side you were on in 2009. I, I give 2010 to Montreal. They, they pretty well controlled that game, even though it was a close score. Uh, and then, uh, you know, 2014, arguably you could say the Riders' 2014 team was as good or better than the one that won in 2013. Durant goes down and they end up... Uh, losing out uh but where i'm going with this glenn is do you need to have multiple championships to be considered great because for me as a kid growing up watching rough rider football and remembering it 42 of my 50 years that hobson era uh, when he was running the ship was the best era prosperity home games crowds everything like that in the history of this team yet they only won two championships yeah, no, I, I don't think you have to win consecutive championships or a whole bunch of them. Uh, it, it is very, very difficult to win a championship. And I don't care what level you're playing at. If you're playing minor league baseball or soccer or whatever it may be, and you have six or eight or 10 or 14 teams in your, in your league or maybe in your division, um, you know what I'm talking about when I say it is very, very difficult to win championships. That's why when you do, when you do get a chance to celebrate and the, and your fan base gets a chance to just party, they should just take full advantage of it. it. Don't look beyond that celebration too quickly because it's really hard to win. And you know, I, I sit in beer league hockey locker rooms, and, I, and I'll and i ask the guys that are now, you know, 55 years old, and I'll say, you guys have been in sports your whole lives. How, how many championships? Put your hand up in this room of 15 people have you won. How many championships have you won in your life, including little league and all? You know, and, and two or three guys will put their hands up. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and I say, well, we're playing in an eight-team beer league division C uh, hockey league and we're in the championship game tonight so make this your championship right like it's yeah, you should never you should never take it for granted. That's for sure. Well, you're you're right about that because I've only won one. That was the '93 Canadian Bowl. That's the only one I ever won at any level anywhere, whether it was anything community yeah. soccer, anything. That's the only one I ever I ever won. But the one that's the one that sticks with me longer is the 1988 
city championship football game between McGuigan and O'Neill here where they beat us on a last-second flutterball Hail Mary guy falling on his back made the catch, and that's how we lost the city championship. And our school closed. It closed after that season, and our school amalgamated with O'Neill, the team that beat us the next year. Most of the guys went to that school, so that was an interesting year. But that loss stays with me longer. I remember more about that loss than I do my championship win. And Hobson said the the losses stay longer with him than the wins. Same for you, Glenn? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think if you're competitive and and you are you've been involved in sports throughout your life, you you have those, you know, those what if moments, those moments where you're, you know, you're trying to figure out how to get to the top of the mountain. And on the way in that journey, there's going to be a lot of setbacks, a lot of times that you slide back down the hill. I, I remember our high school championship game at, at Old Empire Stadium in Vancouver, and we were up by four with, about 30 seconds left when a Hansworth quarterback, it was fog all over. And we could barely see, you could barely see the ball in the air when you threw it. I was playing quarterback for Carson Graham High School. And with 20 seconds left, and we felt like we were winning a championship, the ball comes out of the fog into the hands of Mike Belfontaine. Nobody knows that name, but he played in the CFL, actually. Yeah, I remember that and, name, actually. And he And he goes in. And he goes in and scores, and we lose that game. And I, I remember that game and plays in that game to this day some, what is it, 40 years later, 50 years later. So, you know, I, I, I think it does. I think you, you know, you have to be careful not to, you know, dwell on them and let them overcome your mindset. You have to fight it off, but they're always there. The losses are always there. The wins you celebrate, you expect to, you keep working at it. Um, you know, and, and the wins create relationships with your teammates that will never be broken. I mean, I don't, I don't have to see Dave Ridgeway for 20 straight years and we see each other again. It's like we were hanging out yesterday. You know, That's I want, what winning does with I wanted to ask George Reed this. Uh, he obviously didn't come in. Uh, sometimes wheelchair, sometimes is Walker. Uh, we know the toll football takes on him. Um, on, on football players. Uh, I don't think football players get enough credit for what they put their bodies through. And you could say, oh, yeah, well, they're getting paid a lot of money for a kid's game. Well, they're not getting paid a lot of money in the CFL. They're getting respectable money, I think. They they are. Uh, but they're not getting rich doing it. Do you ever regret playing football? No, not not. I would do it all over again. Um, you know, I, I have a contractor friend who's actually on that beer league team. And he built my whole back deck, and you know he he has back issues where he can bear he can't play. He misses months worth of games. Um, he has back and knee issues, and he's a contractor. And you know there's miners and farmers and and guys that have very physical and and girls too that have very physical jobs that you know have aches and pains when they get older, and and so. You know, I, I keep it all that all in perspective, and I would not change one thing. Not, not where I played, not in the league I played. I will never apologize for it. And by the way, if if there was ever a day down the road where I had the honor to be part of the league office in any capacity, the first guy I would call would be Jim Hobson to be 
a you know to contribute and to to be a consultant um, to to help because his hands-on approach. You you tell me, Balzi. You know you know the, the city of Regina and the province better than I do. Is there is there any business or fan or anyone that Jim Hobson could walk in the room and and does not respect Jim Hobson? No, I and that's the thing. And I I I may have missed it in the past, but he told me here and we talked about it. Uh, he was approached about being the commissioner in 2015, and he didn't even go into it as much on the air as he did off. He said, "There's no interviews." They told him, "No interviews, no nothing. It's your job if you want it." And he seriously thought about it and then decided no my parents died uh, earlier and i i just got to uh you know i gotta stop mm-hmm. and smell the roses but uh, what this league would have been like had jim hobson taken control of it i want to get into league stuff on the other side but i gotta ask you this because i asked him this uh you look at the rough rider schedule okay and uh the first seven games are murderers row in fact game seven Game six is in BC on July 22nd. And then they got to fly cross country to face the Grey Cup champions in the rematch for the Atlantic touchdown Atlantic game on July 29th. Heavy is the crown when you're wearing it. And I don't mean as the champion. I mean as the flagship franchise, the one everybody looks to, the tractor factor, the lifeblood of the league. Make no mistake. It's Saskatchewan. So. I know I talked to Coach Dickens, and he said that first game is very important to us. We need to win that game to cleanse our palate, so to speak, and get off on the right foot. Um, as a player, when you were playing, did you guys sit down? Because I get a lot of BS from players, as I told Hobson. Yeah, well, we take it one game at a time, and we don't look past our next opponents. BS. BS. These young guys, and even more so now than ever, suits fantasy footballs, all that type of stuff. They know who's on everybody's team. Did back in the day, you sit down with Jurison and these guys and say, okay, win, loss, short week, could be a loss, blah, blah, blah. By game five, we better be three and two. Like, did you do that math in your head? We never, as far as I was ever in a discussion or meeting with any of those guys in the Garden. Kent Austin and a lot of the guys that were captains, Roger Aldeg, um, uh, the word loss never really would come up, and that was by design. Um, but there, you know, I will say that there were times when we were playing in the league where Doug Flutie was the quarterback in Calgary, and that team was looking like it was going to be a real powerhouse again. Then we thought, you know, we would have the discussion, you know, for us to get there, We've got to go through Calgary. Like we've got to beat Calgary, and and I remember coaches saying, you know, we're we're going to design our defense to stop Doug Flutie, and then we'll deal with the rest of the teams and the other quarterbacks as we you know approach them. And you know the the, the challenge for players. I, it was interesting to hear Jim Thompson in your in your interview talk about that management and coaches would at times actually go through that and i can see where they have a short week and travel and things like that where they go this one is going to be a real challenge um so i can see that but to kind of weigh which ones you think you can win and which ones you can't i'm not sure how much detail they get in i'm a little surprised to hear that he that they had those discussions at that uh, you know that depth but um yeah I, i i you know what we did michael we we knew that you know, Flutie, Matt Dunnigan's team, those are going to be teams that we had to beat to get there. And I, I would imagine right now there's teams that say the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the last two years, mm-hmm. teams would have said the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the team that we have to beat to get to the championship. Mm-hmm. Pr- pretty simple. 
Yeah, it is. So you get that in your mind. Yeah. Hey, when we come back, we'll talk about the Alouette's ownership and Halifax. You're listening to The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. March 9, 1946, Ted Williams turns down an offer of $500,000 to play baseball in Mexico. And in 1936, the Reds offer 41-year-old Babe Ruth a chance to make a comeback. What did the Babe do? He turned them down. Talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Now, I want to point out in no way is Glenn Suter angling for the commissioner's job because the league has a commissioner. It's Randy Ambrosi. We've had a few texters text in and also mutual friend of ours, Craig Smith, former scout said Suter would be a great commissioner, understands the Canadian game and the importance of Canadians in that game. He's been a player and in the media. So that's a nice little plug from Craig Smith, who has his own battle with health issues. Our thoughts and prayers are with him, and thanks to him for listening. And wherever you're listening today, thanks for making us part of your day. So, Suits, let's talk about this. Like, um, the Montreal Alouettes were sold to a 91-year-old guy, Sid Spiegel, who, hey, kudos to him. I don't want to speak ill of the dead. He, he, he was excited about being in our league. But he passes away before he even gets to see his team play a game. Um, Gary Stern, like him or don't like him, I don't know. I, 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 he was funny on Twitter. I interviewed him once. Um, you know, he seems to have loved our league. But I now the league is back in it trying to sell this team. Let's hope that this uh, this deal with Quebec Corps Inc. gets done. Yeah, it, it looks like this is an outstanding group for a couple of reasons. One, deep pockets but most importantly uh number two they're local and you know it's it's a quebec company it's it's part of its uh portfolio is in media uh that means they understand messaging and the importance of it which is something that i think can still be vastly improved in the league uh from the league office all the way through to every franchise and how you message to the fans um, and the consistency in that messaging. So this looks like a, a real good fit. I, I, I will say this though, and I, you know, I know there's some that'll take the angle that, well, here, you know, here we go again. There always seems to be a, a, a team in trouble financially, and, and you know, yes, when you're when you're dealing with pro football that has such a high uh, expense rate. I mean, you're you know, you're looking at you know, millions of dollars to run a football team. And if you have a couple of bad years where you're not winning games at home, i.e. like the Edmonton situation, yeah, you're going to feel it in the, in the pocketbook. And so it's, um, you know, it's, it's one narrative to say that here we go again. But I would say if you look at the, the bigger picture and the financial situation, the long-term TV contract, we still have five years, I believe, four or five years on the TV contract. There is still six years on the CFL Players Association agreement, which is huge to have no um, issues with the you know collective bargaining agreement between now and six more years from now. Just think of the momentum that can be built and the partnership between players and the league. And you put all that together and the value of, of a franchise is going up. And that's, you know, that's really important 
for new owners. I, I'm excited about this group. It looks like, you know, from the outside looking in, we're not in those meetings, but it looks like this is a great group. They're local. They'll care. And like Omar Doman says in Vancouver, every time he goes in front of a microphone or goes on Twitter or wherever it is, he will say, I'm in it for the long haul. We'll take as long as we have to. We're going to keep chipping away, and we're going to make sure every kid wears an orange orange uh, T-shirt on game day. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's the key. Glenn Suter joining us here, press coverage for Quality Tire. Okay, so long haul. It is a long haul. It's been a long haul. It's been since this. I saw programs for the 70s, from the 70s, pardon me, when they were talking about football in Nova Scotia. You know, we've had the Atlantic Schooner Room at every Grey Cup for uh, I don't know how many years, 40 at least. Uh, it feels like it's time to you know what or get off the pot. Like, this is it. And your colleague Dave Naylor talked about how there's seems to be momentum between the league and local uh people in authority, business people, to get a temporary-slash-permanent pop-up stadium set up there at St. Mary's. I really feel like this is it. The momentum, this this next touchdown Atlantic, if we can't get it done, then move on. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. You know, I, I would still, you know, give it some runway if, if all, you know, indications are that this can be done. Um, so I, I wouldn't, you know, give it a deadline Per se, but I, I I understand what you're saying that it's you know it's it's time to really dig in and and get to the bottom of a yes or a no answer here, and if it's a yes, and then we can take time a couple of years to build it and get it right. But if it's you know if it's like if this isn't going to happen over the long term, we can we can be talking and going back and forth. I I truly believe, and and for a couple of reasons here, what, I truly believe that. Had it not been for the pandemic, we would probably be talking now about the reality of a 10th team. Like, I I really believe they were that close. The funding was there. The government, both, you know, um, both levels of government in in that region of our country were in. Um, You know, and I talked to, at the Touchdown Atlantic last year, I talked to a couple of high-ranking businessmen in the area. And it was after the game, and, and I won't name them, but I had a good discussion with them. And and this to them was a matter of, of you know, when, not if. That, you know, we were just at the heels of Touchdown Atlantic. They loved it. They knew the importance of, of really showcasing that part of our country on national television nine times or ten times a year when you have a game at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and what we could do at TSN to promote – you know, lobster and the East Coast and everything that makes that part of our country great is going to be showcased at every football game. And so I, I, I'm really optimistic on it. I, I am. I love the idea of this pop-up just to show them that corporate sponsors will be there in this part of the country. Uh, the fans are going to show up. And that's the other thing, you know, Michael, Canadian sports fans, Canadian fans of music, Canadian fans of the theater, we have to fight for this stuff. You know, we can't we can't sit idly and say, well, that's not a great box, so I'm not going to the game or I'm not going to the theater because, you know, I don't like what they did in the commercial they said or whatever. We, we have to we have to decide how important this kind of thing is for us, the entertainment so that we're not just going to work in the morning and coming home at night. And that's our day. I mean, and that's our life. We, we have to have these these, you know home teams that we can get behind in all sports, soccer, hockey, all of it, uh, amateur, the Regina Pats, 
you know, let's let's fight to protect them. And the way you do that as a fan is really simple. Get engaged. Listen to this show. Listen to shows that talk about your leagues that you love. And then go and buy tickets. And we can do that. And we don't have these discussions of, t- of teams in trouble if we do that. Canadians can control it. The fans control it. Well, I'm glad we have you on every week, man. Have yourself a good weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, man. That's Glenn Suter joining us for his uh, twice-weekly hit. This being the second one of the week, it's press coverage for Quality Tire. That'll do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Regina's own Kale Clegg, defenseman for the Buffalo Sabres. Jordan yeah. Everly will stop by. We'll talk to him. We'll also hear from uh, DraftKings NBA basketball expert, uh, who we couldn't get to today, J.C. Abbott, that and much, much more. Uh, do we have J.C. LaPont too? Possibly. Possibly. Another Regina hockey player. Man, we're He's over there in Germany, so we got to get the schedules we lined are- are loaded on this show. And I'm going to St. Bernadette tomorrow for a Rock, Paper, Scissors championship. I have an 83-0 record. We'll see if uh, it continues tomorrow. (laughs) This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.